Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and in these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both my ent world, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast. We have so much content happening right now. Um, but you're here for Corona Cold Reads for Shakespeare. Um, so these are cold reads for the most part. Uh, our actors n- did not have more than a day, maybe two, if they're lucky, um, to look over the text if they wanted to. Most of them didn't have the chance to. So it is just them sitting down and reading it cold. Um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that. There will be some rocky moments and some times when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their Zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. So in this episode, we were reading Romeo and Juliet, which is, um, I always call it my third favorite Shakespeare play, but then sometimes I think maybe it's my first favorite Shakespeare play, and I'm just kind of lying to myself. Um, I love this play so much. It's so beautiful. It sits right next to my heart. Um, but what we discovered, interestingly, in reading it, especially reading, doing a, a straight-up cold read of it, um, and this was a, a colder than usual, uh, where not very many people did much prep. Obviously, a lot of us know the text quite well, um, but it was not a particularly prepared read. Um, but what we discovered was this play, which is at least an eight in my head. Sort of if we're counting on a scale of uh, one to 10, I think of Romeo and Juliet as an eight or a nine in terms of quality. Um, Uncut, completely uncut, it's like maybe a six. Like when you trim this text, especially if you do it conscientiously, um, it is remarkably elevated. 
uh, in a way that a lot of the others don't really need that much of a trim. You know, as you like, it's as you like it. It's pretty close. Um, right, right there. What's on the page is pretty close. Macbeth is pretty close. Um, Romeo and Juliet has a bunch of extraneous nonsense. Um, it has pacing issues. It has a bunch of random tiny characters who should not be there and other characters who should be combined. Um, and so reading it cold in a in a really strictly, we just straight up read what was on the MIT full text available online. Uh, we really discovered some of the weaknesses in the text un- completely unaltered. And also it pointed out to us how rare it is to see Romeo and Juliet totally unaltered. Thank God, because there's a reason for that. Um, but it's a fun read anyway. I mean, some of the most beautiful poetry in the history of the world is in this play. Um, some of the most fun... Things. We have the, uh, a really fun Mercutio in this one, a really fun nurse. Um, and then the tragedy in the, the second half of this is such a peculiar play um, where the first half is really, it follows the beats of a comedy. Um, it's, it's explicitly funny. It's, it's really romantic. And then the second, and at the end of Act 3, Scene 1, it takes a turn and all of a sudden it's pure tragedy straight through to the end. And so it's like a weird half and half play that gives you the best of both worlds. Um, and this cast uh, rises to the challenge of uh, delivering the, that strange mix of tones um, and uh, really having to showcase a wide range of abilities. Um, our Romeo and Juliet are a married couple, which I was very excited about. Um, I loved the idea of getting a, a, a somewhat a pair who were quarantined together. Um, also just a married couple. Uh, and, and uh, these are two actors who I also think just like, regardless of whether, um, like, even if you leave out the sort of charm of having a real couple play the, the titular couple, um, they're just two really great actors. I've always wanted to see Wade Bogart to Brian play Romeo. Um, and Jen Jawashinsky, his wife, um, is one of my favorite Shakespeare actresses I've ever seen. Um, and she's a wonderful Juliet. She was our Cordelia when we did Lear, and I just love her so much. Um, so it was really, it was really fun to get them uh, playing the title roles together. Uh, you can see them sort of cutely try and duck out of the frame when it didn't make sense for them to be in the same uh, room as each other uh, during certain scenes. Um, but yeah, it was just a. Uh, uh, I love this play. I I love it in any form, in at any time. Just I love Romeo and Juliet, and I think it is often over-romanticized, but is also often under-romanticized by the backlash to the over-romanticization. I think it's a little too famous for its own good, um, and as a result, people don't actually know it as well as they think they do. Um, So I hope you are able to rediscover it a little bit um, in this crazy journey of the cold read. Uh, Please forgive us any parts that uh, lag a little, because really, it needs a good cut. All right, enjoy. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene. From, fair, uh, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventures piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which, but their children's end, naught could remove, is now the two hours' traffic of our stage. 
the which if you with patient ears attend, what here shall pass our toil shall strive to mend. Scene one, Verona, a public place. Enter Samson and Gregory of the House of Capulet, armed with swords and bucklers. Gregory, on my word, will not carry coals. No, for then we should be colliers. I mean, and we be and collar will draw. Aye, while you live, draw your neck out the collar. I strike quickly, being moved. But thou art not quickly moved to strike. Dog of the house of Montague moves me. To move is to stir, and to be valiant is to stand. Therefore, if thou art moved, thou runst away. A dog of that house shall move me to stand. I will take the wall of any man or maid of Montague's. That shows thee a weak slave, for the weakest goes to the wall. True. And therefore women, being the weaker vessels, are ever thrust to the wall. Therefore I will push Montague's men from the wall and thrust his maids to the wall. The quarrel is between our masters and us their men. Tis all one. I will show myself a tyrant. When I have fought with the men, I will be cruel with the maids and cut off their heads. The heads of the maids? I have the heads of the maids or their maiden heads. Take it in what sense thou wilt. They must take it in sense that feel it. Me they shall feel when I am able to stand, and tis known I am a pretty piece of flesh. Tis well that thou art not fish. If thou hadst, thou hadst been poor John. Draw thy tool. Here comes two of the house of Montague. My naked weapon is out. Quarrel, I will back thee. How? Turn thy back and run? Fear me not. No, Mary, I fear thee. Let us take the law of our sides. Let them begin. I will frown as I pass by, and let them take it as they list. Nay, as they dare. I will bite my thumb at them, which is a disgrace to them if they bear it. Enter Abraham and Balthazar. Abraham, are you going to take that biting of the thumb? Hell no! (laughs) You bite your thumb at us, sir! I do bite my thumb, sir. Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? Is the law of our side if I say I? No! No, sir. I do not bite my thumb at you, sir, but... I bite my thumb, sir. Do you quarrel, sir? Quarrel, sir, no, sir. If you do, sir, I am for you. I serve as good a man as you. (laughs) No better. Well, sir. Say better. Here comes one of my master's kingsmen. Yes, better, sir. You lie. Draw, if you be men, Gregory, Remember thy swashing blow. They fight. Enter Benvolio. Hard, fools. Put up your swords. You know not what you do. Beats down their swords. Enter Tybalt. What? Art thou drawn amongst these heartless hinds? Turn thee, Benvolio. Look upon thy death. I do but keep the peace. Put up thy sword or manage it to part these men with me. What? Drawn and talk of peace. I hate the word, is I hate hell, all Montagues and thee. Have at thee, coward. 
They fight. Enter several of both houses who join the fray. They enter, then enter citizens with clubs. Clubs, bills, and partisans. Strike! Beat them down! Down with the Capulets! Down with the Montagues! Enter Capulet in his gown and Lady Capulet. What noise is this? Give me my longsword, ho! <laughs> I found it. A crutch, a crutch. Why fall you sword? My sword, I say. Old Montague has come and flourishes his blade in spite of me. Enter Montague and Lady Montague. Thou villain Capulet, hold me not. Let me go. Thou shalt not stir a foot to seek a foe. Enter prince with attendants. Rebellious subjects, enemies of peace, profaners of this neighbor-stained steel. Will they not hear? What ho, you men, you beasts! that quench the fire of your pernicious rage with purple fountains issuing from your veins. On pain of torture from those bloody hands, throw your mistempered weapons to the ground and hear the sentence of your moved prince. Three civil brawls, bred of an airy word by the old Capulet and Montague, have thrice disturbed the quiet of our streets and made Verona's ancient citizens cast by their grave beseeming ornaments to wield old partisans in hand as old, cankered with peace, to part your cankered hate. If ever you disturb our streets again, your lives shall pay the forfeit of the peace. For this time, all the rest depart away. You, Capulet, shall go along with me, and Montague, come you this afternoon to know our further pleasure in this case. To old Freetown, our common judgment place. Once more, on pain of death, all men depart. Isn't all but Montague, Lady Montague, and Benvolio? Who set this ancient quarrel new approach? Speak, nephew. Were you by when it began? Here were the servants of your adversary and yours, close fighting ere I did approach. I drew to part them. In the instant came the fiery Tybalt with his sword prepared, which, as he breathed the fines to my ears, he swung about his head and cut the wind, who, nothing hurt withal, hissed him in scorn. Well, we were interchanging thrusts and blows, came more and more, and fought on part and part, till the prince came who parted either part. Oh, where's Romeo? Saw you him today. Right glad I am he was not at this fray. Madam, uh, an hour before the worshipped sun peered forth, a golden window of the east, a troubled mind uh, drave me to walk abroad, where underneath the grove of a sycamore that westward, that westward rooted from the city's side, so early walking did I see your son. Towards him I made, but he was ware of me, and stole into the convert of the wood, I, measuring his affections by my own, that's most are busied when they're most alone, pursued my humor not pursuing his, and gladly shunned who gladly fled from me. Many a morning hath he been, hath he there been seen, with tears augmenting the fresh morning dew, adding to clouds more clouds with his deep sighs, but also soon as the cheer, as the all-cheering sun should in the furthest east begin to draw the shady cur- curtains from Aurora's bed, Away from the light steals home my heavy son, and private in his chamber pens himself, shuts up his windows, locks far daylight out, and makes himself an artificial night. Black and protentous must his humor prove, unless good counsel may the cause remove. My noble uncle, do you know the cause? I neither know it nor can learn of him. Have you importuned him by any means? 
both by means and many other friends, but he, his own affections counselor is to himself. I will not say how true, but to himself so secret and so close. So far from sounding in discovery as is the bud bit with an envious worm. Ere he can spread his sweet leaves to the air or dedicate his beauty to the sun, could we but learn from whence his sorrows grow, we would as willingly give cure as no. Enter Romeo. See where he comes. So please you, step aside. I'll know his grievance or be much denied. I would thou wert so happy by thy stay to hear true shrift. Come, madam, let's away. Exit Montague and Lady Montague. Good morrow, cousin. Is the day so young? But new struck nine. I me sad hours seem along. Was that my father that went hence so fast? It was. What sadness lengthens Romeo's hours? Not having that which makes them short. Ah, in love. Out. Of love? Out of her favor where I am in love. Alas, that love so gentle in his view should be so tyrannous and rough in proof. Alas, that love, whose view is muffled still, should without eyes see pathways to his will. Where shall we dine? Oh, me, what fray was here? Yet tell me not, for I have heard it all. Here's much to do with hate, but more with love. Why then, O brawling love, O loving hate, O anything of nothing first created, O heavy lightness, serious vanity, misshapen chaos of well-seeming forms, feather of lead, bright smoke, cold fire, sick health, still waking sleep that is not what it is. This love I feel that feel no love in this. Dost thou not laugh? No, cause I rather weep. Good heart, what? Thy heart's good oppression. Why such loves, why such is love's transgression. Griefs of mine own lie heavy in my breast, which thou will propagate to have it priest, have it pressed with more of thine. This love that thou hast shown doth add more grief to too much of mine own. Love is a smoke made with the fume of sighs, being purged, a fire sparkling in lover's eyes, being vexed, a sea nourished with loving tears. What is it else? A madness most discreet, a choking gall, a a preserving sweet. Farewell, my cousin. Soft, I will go along. And if you leave me so, you do me wrong. But I have lost myself. I am not here. This is not Romeo, he's some other where. Tell me in sadness, who is't that you love? What shall I groan and tell thee? Groan, why no? But sadly, tell me who. Bid a sick man in sadness make his will. A word ill urged to one that is so ill. In sadness, cousin, I do love a woman. (laughs) I aimed so near when I supposed you loved. A right good markman, and she's fair, I love. A right fair mark, fair cause, is soonest hit. Well, in that hit you miss, she'll not be hit. With Cupid's arrow, hath, uh, she hath Dian's wit, and in strong proof of chastity, well armed from love's weak, childish bow, she lives uncharmed. She will not stay the siege of loving terms, nor 
bide the encounter of assailing eyes, nor ope her laugh, uh, her lap to saint seducing gold. Oh, she is rich in beauty, only poor that what she dies with beauty dies her store. Then she has sworn that she will still live chaste. She hath, and in that sparing made huge waste. For beauty starved will her severity cut beauty off from all posterity. She is too fair, too wise, wisely too fair to merit bliss by making me despair. She hath forsworn to love, and in that vow do I live dead that live to tell it now. Be ruled by me. Forget to think of her. Oh, teach me how I should forget to think. By giving liberty unto thine eyes. Examine other beauties. Tis the way to call hers exquisite in question more. These happy masks that kiss fair ladies' brows, being black, puts in mind they hide the fair. He that is struck and blind cannot forget the precious treasure of his eyesight lost. Show me a mistress that is passing fair. What doth her beauty serve but as a note where I may read who passed that passing fair? Farewell. Thou canst not teach me to forget. Well, no, I'll, I'll pay that doctrine or else die in debt. Excellent. Scene two, a street. Enter Capulet, Paris, and servant. But Montague is bound as well as I in penalty alike. And tis not hard, I think, for men so old as us to keep peace. Of honorable reckoning are you both. And pity tis you lived at odds so long. But now, my lord, what say you to my suit? <laughs> but saying o'er what I have said before, my child is yet a stranger in the world. She hath not seen the change of fourteen years. Let two more summers wither in her pride ere we may take her right to be a bride. Younger than she are happy mothers made. And too soon marred are those so early made. The earth hath swallowed all my hopes but she. She is the hopeful lady of my earth, but woo her, gentle Paris. Get her heart. My will to her consent is but a part, and she agree within her scope of choice lies my consent and fair according voice. This night... I hold an old accustomed feast, whereto I have invited many a guest, such as I love, and you among the store, one more, most welcome, makes my number more. At my poor house, look to behold this night, earth-treading stars that make dark heaven light. Such comfort as do lusty young men feel when well-appareled April on the heel of limping winter trends. Even such delight among fresh female buds shall you this night inherit at my house. Hear all, all see, and like her most, whose merit most shall be, which on more view of many mine being one may stand in number. Though in reckoning none, come, go with me. <clears throat> Giving a paper to the servant. Go, Sarah. Trudge about through fair Verona. Find those persons out whose names are written there, and to them say, my house and welcome on their pleasure stay. Exempt Capulet in Paris. Servant? Are you there? Who's playing servant, guys? At like first servant? Yes, servant and first oh. servant are one person. 
And there we go. Find them out whose names are written here. It is written that the shoemaker should meddle with his, which should meddle with his yard, and the tailor with his last, the fisher with his pencil, and the painter with his nets. But I am sent to find those persons whose names are here writ, and can never find what names the writing person here hath writ. I must to the learned in good time. Enter Benvolio and Romeo. Hot man. One fire burns out another's burning. One pain is lessened by another's anguish. Turn giddy and behold thy backward turning. One desperate grief cures with another's languish. Take thou some new in- infection to thy eye, and the rank poison of the old will die. Your plantain leaf is excellent for that. For what, I pray thee? For your broken shin. Why, Romeo, art thou mad? Not mad, but bound more than a madman is. Shut up in prison, kept without my food, whipped and tormented and... I... Good end, good fellow. God give good end. Uh, I pray, sir. Can you read? I, my own fortune in my misery. Perhaps you have learned it without book. But I, I pray, can you read anything you see? I, if I know the letters in the language. Say honestly, rescue Mary. Stay, fellow, I can read. Signor Martino and his wife and daughters, County Anselm and his beauteous sisters, the lady widow of Ver, uh, Vitruvio, Signor Placentio and his lovely nieces, Mer- Mercutio and his brother Valentine, mine uncle Capulet, his wife and daughters, my fair niece Rosaline. Livia, Signor Valentino and his cousin Tybalt, Lucio and the lively Helena, a fair assembly. Whither should they come? Up. Whither to supper? To supper? Our house. Whose house? My master's. Indeed, I should have asked you that before. Now I'll tell you without asking. My, my master is the great rich Capulet, and if you be not of the house of Montagues, I pray, come and crush a cup of wine. Rest you, Mary. Exit. At, at this same ancient feast of Capulet sups the fair Rosalind, whom thou so lovest, with all the admired beauties of Verona. Go thither, and with unattainted eye, compare her faith with some that I shall show, and I will make thee think thy swan a crow. When the devout religion of mine eye maintains such falsehood, then turn tears to fires. And these who often drowned could never die, transparent heretics be burnt for liars. One fairer than my love, than the all-seeing sun ne'er saw her match since first the world begun. Tut, you saw her fair, none else being by, herself poised with herself in either eye. But in that crystal scales, let, the, uh, let, let there be weighed, your lady's love gains some other maid that I will show you shining at this feast, and she shall stand so well that now shows best. I'll go along, no such sight to be shown, but... To rejoice in splendor of mine own. Exempt. Scene three, a room in Capulet's house. Enter Lady Capulet and Nurse. Nurse, 
Where's my daughter? Call her forth to me. Now, by my maidenhood at 12 years old, I bade her come. What lamb? What ladybird? God forbid, where is this girl? What? Juliet! You're Juliet. How now? Who calls? Your mother. Madam, I'm here. What is your will? This is the matter. Nurse, give leave a while. We must talk in secret. Nurse, come back again. I, I, I have remembered me. Thou, thou's here our counsel. Thou knowest my daughters of a pretty age. Faith, I can tell her age unto an hour. She's not 14. <laughs> I'll lay 14 of my teeth, and yet the my teeth be it spoken, I have but four. She is not 14. How long is it now to Lammas Tide? A fortnight and odd days. Even or odd of all the days in the year, come Lammas Tide, Eve at night, shall she be 14. Listen, and she got Bristol Christian soul. We're, we're of an age. All seems it is with God, she was too good for me. But as I said, on Lammas Eve at night, shall she be 14? That shall she. Mary, I remember it well, to since the earthquake, now 11 years, and she was weaned, I shall never forget it, of all the days of the year upon that day, for I had then laid wormwood to my dug, sitting in the sun under the dove house wall. My lord and you were then at Mantua, nay, I do bear a bird, but as I said, when it did take the wormwood, on the nipple of my dug, and felt it bitter, pretty fool, to see it touchy and fall out with the dug. Shake, quoth the dove house, was no need, I tried to trudge. And since that time, it is 11 years. For then she could stand alone, nay, and by the root, for she could have run and waddled all about. But even the day before, she broke her toe, and my husband, be with his soul. It was a merry man. Took up the child. Yea, quoth he, dost thou fall upon thy face? Thou wilt fall backward when thou hast more wit, will thou not, Jewel? And by my holy day of the pretty wretch, left crying and said, I, to see now how it just shall come about, I warrant and I should live a thousand years. I never should forget it. Wilt thou not, Jewel? Quoth he. I bring the ball in. Enough of this. I pray thee, hold thy peace. Yes, madam. Oh, yet I cannot choose but laugh and to think it should leave crying and say, I. <laughs> yet I weren't. It had upon its brow a bump as big as a young cockerel stone, a perilous knock, and it cried. Bitterly. Nay, quoth my husband, <laughs> fallest upon thy face. Wilt thou fall backward when thou comest of age? <laughs> Will that not, Jewel? <laughs> and stint thou too, I pray thee, nurse, say I. Oh, peace, I have done. God mercy to his grace. No, that's the prettiest babe that e'er I nursed, and I might live to see thee married once. I have my wish. Marry that. Mary is the very theme I came to talk of. Tell me, daughter Juliet, how stands your disposition to be married? It is an honor that I dream not of. Honor. 
were, I, were not I thy only nurse, I would say thou hast sucked wisdom from my teeth. Well, think of marriage now. Younger than you here in Verona, ladies of esteem are already made mothers. By my count, I was your mother much upon these years that you are now a maid. Thus then, in brief, the valiant Paris seeks you for his love. A man, young lady, lady, such a man as all the world, why he is a man. Verona's summer hath not such a flower. Nay, he is a flower in face, a very flower. What say you? Can you love the gentleman? This night you shall behold him at our feasts. Read o'er the volume of young Paris's face and find delight writ there with beauty's pen. Examine every married lineament and see how one another lends content and what obscured and fair volume lies find written in the margin of his eyes. This precious book of love, this unbound lover to beautify him only lacks a cover. The fish lives in the sea and tis much pride for fair without fair within to hide. That book in many's eyes doth share the glory that in gold clasps locks in the golden story. So, so shall you share all that he doth possess by having him making yourself no less. No less. They bigger women grow by men. Speak briefly. Can you like of Paris love? I'll look to like if looking liking move, but no more deep will I endart mine eye than your consent gives strength to make it fly. Enter a servant. Tori, that's you. I'm getting there. Oh gosh. No, it's not. <sighs> Sorry, friends, I'm a little lost here. Want me to just read it? Yes, it's just please. one line. Madam, the guests are come, supper served up, you called, my young lady asked for, the nurse cursed the pantry, and everything in extremity. I must hence to wait, I beseech you, follow straight. We follow thee. Exit servant. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet, the county stays. Oh, girl, seek happy nights to happy days. Excellent. Scene four, a street, enter Romeo, Mercutio, Benvolio, with five or six maskers, torchbearers, and others. What, shall the speech be spoke on our excuse, for our excuse, or shall we on without apology? The date is out of such prolixity. We'll have no Cupid hoodwinked with a scarf, bearing a Tartar's patent bow of laugh, scaring the ladies, scarring the ladies like a crowkeeper, nor no, without book, without book prologue, faintly spoke after the prompter for our entrance. But let them measure us by what they will. We'll measure them a measure and be gone. Give me a torch. I'm not for this ambling. Being but heavy, I will bear the light. Nay, gentle Romeo, we must have you dance. Not I, believe me. You have dancing shoes with nimble soles. I have a soul of lead, so stakes me to the ground I cannot move. You are a lover. Borrow Cupid's wings and soar with them above a common bound. I am too sore and pierced with this shaft to soar with his light feathers, and so bound I cannot bound a pitch. 
above dull woe. Under love's heavy burden I do sink. And to sink in it should you burden love, too great oppression for such a tender thing. <laughs> is love a tender thing? It is too rough, too rude, too boisterous, and it pricks like a thorn. Well, if love be rough with you, then be rough with love. Prick love for pricking, and you beat love down. Give me a case to put my visage in, a visor for a visor. What care I with curious eye doth quote deformities? Here are the beetle brows shall blush for me. Come, knock and enter, and no sooner in, but every man betake him to his legs. Oh, sorry, Benvolio. Keep going, go for it. <laughs> a torch for me, let wanton light of heart tickle this senseless, uh, the senseless rushes with their heels, for I am proverb, uh, proverb, with a grandsire phrase. I'll be a candle holder and look on. The game was ne'er so fair, and I am done. Tut, done's the mouse, the constable's own word. If thou art done, we'll draw thee from the mire of this Sir Reverence love, wherein thou stick'st up to the ears. Come, we burn daylight, ho! Nay, that's not so. I mean, sir, in delay, we waste our lights in vain like lamps by day. Take our good meaning, for our judgment sits five times in that ere once our five wits. And we mean well in going to this mask, but tis no wit to go. Uh, why, may one ask? I dreamt a dream tonight. Mm, so did I. Well, what was yours? <laughs> that dreamers often lie. In bed, asleep, while they do dream things true. Oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. Oh, she is the fairy's midwife, and she comes in shape no bigger than an agate stone on the uh, forefinger of an alderman, drawn with a team of little atomies, athwart men's noses as they lie asleep. Her wagon spokes made of uh, long spider's legs, the cover of the wings of grasshoppers, the traces of the smallest spider's web, the collars of the moonshine's watery beams, her whip whoosh, of cricket's bone, the lash of film. Her wagoner is a small gray-coated gnat, not so big as a round little worm pricked from uh, the lazy finger of a maid. Her chariot is an empty hazelnut made by the adjoiner squirrel or uh, old grub, time out of mind, the fairies' coachmakers. And in the state, she gallops night by night through lovers' brains, and then they dream of love, or a courtier's knees that dream on uh, curtsies straight, or lawyers' fingers who um, straight dream on fees, or ladies' lips who straight on kisses dream which oft the angry mab with blisters plagues because their breaths with sweetmeats tainted are. And sometimes she gallops over a courtier's nose and then dreams he of smelling out a suit. And sometime comes she with the tithe pig's tail tickling a parson's nose as he lies asleep. And then dreams he of another benefice. Sometimes she driveth over a soldier's neck and then dreams he of cutting foreign throats of uh, breeches and ambuscados, Spanish blades of hell spy fat and deep. And then anon drums in his ear at which he starts and wakes. And being thus affrighted, he swears a prayer or two and sleeps again. This is the very mad that plates the means of horses in the night and bakes the elf locks and foul sluttish hairs, which once untangled, much misfortune bodes. This is the hag when men lie on their back that presses them and learns them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. This is she. Peace, who... peace, Mercutio, peace. Thou talkst of nothing. True. I talk of dreams. 
which are the children of an idle brain, begot of nothing but vain fantasy, which is as thin of substance as the air and more inconstant than the wind, who woos even now the frozen bosom of the north, and being angered, puffs away from thence, turning his face to the dew-dropping south. This wind, you talk of, blows us from ourselves. Supper is done, and we shall come too late. I fear too early, for my mind misgives some consequence, yet hanging in the stars, shall bitterly, be bitterly begin his fearful date with this night's revels, and expire the term of a despised life closed in my breast by some vile forfeit of untimely death. But he that hath the steerage of my course, direct my sail on, lusty gentlemen. Strike! Drum! Excellent. Scene five, a hall in Capulet's house. Musicians waiting. Enter serving men with napkins. Where's Poppin that he helps not to take away? He shifts a trencher. He scrapes a trencher. When good manner shall lie all in one or two man's hands and they unwash too, tis a foul thing. Away with the joint stools, remove the court cupboard, look to the plate. Good, good thou, save me a piece of mar march pan, and as thou lovest me, let the porter let in Susan Grindstone, and now, Antony and Poppen! Aye, boy, ready. You are looked for and called for, asked for and sought for in the great chamber. We cannot be here and there, too. Cheerly, boys, be brisk a while, and longer liver take all. Enter Capulet with Juliet and others of his house, meeting the guests and maskers. Welcome, gentlemen. Ladies that have their toes unplaked with corn, unplagued with corn, will have a bout with you. Aha, my mistresses! Which of you all will now deny me to dance? She that makes dainty, she, I'll swear, hath corns. Am I come near ye now? Welcome, gentlemen. I have seen the day that I have worn a visor and could tell a whispering tale in a fair lady's ear. Such as would please. Tis gone, tis gone, tis gone. You are welcome, gentlemen. Come, musicians play. A hall, a hall, give room and foot it, girls. Music plays and they dance. More light, you knaves, and turn the tables up and quench the fire. The room is grown too hot. Ah. Sirrah, this unlooked-for sport comes well. Nay, sit, nay, sit, good cousin Capulet, for you and I are past our dancing days. How long is it now since last yourself and I were in a mask? By our lady, 30 years. What, man, tis not so much, tis not so much. Tis since the nuptials of Lucentio come Pentecost as quickly as it will, some five and twenty years, and then we mask. Tis more, tis more. His son is elder, sir. His son is thirty. Will you tell me that? His son was but a war two years ago. What lady's that which doth enrich the hand of yonder knight? I know, I know not, not, sir. I know not, sir. <laughs> oh, she doth teach the torches to burn bright. It seems she hangs upon the cheek of night as a rich jewel in an Ethiop's ear. Beauty too rich for use, for earth too dear. So shows a snowy dove trooping with crows as yonder lady o'er her, her fellow shows. 
The measure done, I'll watch her place of stand and touching hers make blessed my rude hand. Did my heart love till now, for swear at sight, for I ne'er saw true beauty till this night. This by his voice should be a Montague. But to me, my rapier boy, what dares the slave come hither covered with antic face to fleer and scorn at our solemnity? Now by the stock and honor of my kin to strike him dead, I hold it not a sin. Why, how now, kinsman? Wherefore storm you so? Uncle, this is a Montague, our foe. A villain that is hither come in spite to scorn at our solemnity this night. Young Romeo, is it? Tis he, that villain Romeo. Content thee, gentle cuz. Let him alone. He bears him like a portly gentleman. And to say truth, Verona brags of him to be a virtuous and well-governed youth. I would not for the wealth of all the town here in my house do him disparagement. Therefore be patient. Take no note of him. It is my will, the which if thou respect, show a fair presence and put off these frowns and ill-beseeming semblance for a feast. It fits when such a villain is a guest. I'll not endure him. He shall be endured. What good man, boy? I say he shall. Go to. Am I the master here or you? Go to, you'll not endure him. God shall, shall mend my soul. You'll make a mutiny among my guests. You will set a cock-a-hoop. You'll be the man. Why, uncle, tis a shame. Go to, go to, you are a saucy boy. Is it so indeed? This trick may chance to scathe you. I know what. You must contrary me. Mary, tis time. Well said, my hearts. You are a prince cox, go. Be quiet, or more light, more light. For shame, I'll make you quiet. What, cheerly, my hearts. Patience perforce with willful collar meeting makes my flesh tremble in their different greeting. I will withdraw, but this intrusion shall now seeming sweet convert to bitter gall. Exit. I profane with my unworthiest hand this holy shrine, the gentle sin is this. My lips. Two blushing pilgrims ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. Good pilgrim, you do wrong your hand too much, which mannerly devotion shows in this. For saints have hands that pilgrims' hands do touch, and palm to palm is holy palmer's kiss. Have not saints' lips, and holy palmer's too? Ay, pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Oh, then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray. Grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. Then move not while my prayer affects my prayer's effect I take. Thus from my lips, by thine, my sin is purged. Then have my lips the sin that they have took. Sin from my lips. O trespass sweetly urged, give me my sin again. You kiss by the book. Madam, your mother craves yes. note that's not me. Morgan, where are you? Distracted. Oh, from what is her mother? No. Kiss my Madam, your mother craves a word with you. What is her mother? Mary Bachelor. Her mother is the lady of the house. <laughs> and a good lady, and a wise, and a virtuous. I nursed your daughter that you talked with all. 
I tell you, he that can lay hold of her shall have the chinks. Is she, she a captain? <laughs> oh, dear account, my life is my foe's debt. Away, be gone, the sport is at the best. Aye, so I fear the more is my unrest. Nay, gentlemen, prepare not to be gone. We have a trifling, foolish banquet towards. Is it even so? Why then, I thank you all. I thank you, honest gentlemen. Good night. More torches here. Come on then, let's to bed. Ah, sirrah, by my fay, it waxes late. I'll to my rest. Nixon, Talbot, Juliet, and Nurse. Come hither, Nurse. Uh, what is yon gentleman? The son and heir of old Tiberia. Um, what's he that is now going out of door? Mary, that I think be young Petruchio. What's he that follows here? That who would not dance? I know not. Well, go ask his name. If he be married, my grave is like to be my wedding bed. His name is Romeo and a Montague, the only son of your great enemy. My only love sprung from my only hate. Too early seen unknown and known too late. Prodigious birth of love, it is to me that I must love a loathed enemy. What's this? What is this? A rhyme I learned even now of one I danced with all. Juliet! Anon, anon, come, let's away. The strangers are all gone. Exit. Act two, prologue, enter chorus. Now old desire doth in his deathbed lie, and young affection gapes to be his heir. That fair, for which love groaned for and would die, with tender Juliet matched, is now not fair. Now Romeo is beloved and loves again, alike bewitched by the charm of looks, but to his foe, supposed to be his, he must complain, and she still loves sweet bait from fearful looks. Being held a foe, he may not have access to breathe such vows as lovers use to swear, and she as much in love, her means much less to meet her new beloved anywhere. But passion lends them power. Time means to meet tempering extremities with extreme sweet. Exit. Scene one. Elaine by the wall of Capulet's orchard. Enter Romeo. Can I go forward when my heart is here? Turn back, dull earth, and find thy censor out. He climbs the wall and leaps down within it. Enter Benvolio and Mercutio. Romeo! My cousin Romeo! Mm, he is wise, and on my lie hath stolen him home to bed. He ran this way and leaped this orchard wall. Call good Mercutio! Nay, I'll conjure too. <laughs> Romeo, humors, madman, passion, lover... Appear thou in the likeness of a sigh. Speak but one rhyme and I am satisfied. Cry but I, me, pronounce but love and dove. Speak to my gossip, Venus, one fair word. One nickname for her purblind son and heir. Young Adam Cupid, he that shot so trim when King Cofetua loved the beggar maid. Ah, he heareth not, he stirreth not, he moveth not. The ape is dead and I must conjure him. 
Mm, I conjure thee by Rosaline's bright eyes, by her high forehead and her scarlet lip, by her fine foot and straight leg and quivering thigh and the demenses there adjacent lie that in the likeness thou appear to us. And if he hear thee, thou wilt anger him. This cannot anger him. Twould anger him to raise a spirit in his mistress's circle of some strange nature, letting it there stand till she had laid it and conjured it down. That were some spite. My invocation is fair and honest, and his mistress's name I conjure only but to raise him up. Come, he hath hid himself among these trees to be consorted with the humorous night. Blind is his love, and best befits the dark. If love be blind, love cannot hit the mark. And now will he sit under a meddler tree and wish his mistress were that kind of fruit as maids call meddlers when they laugh alone. Romeo, that she were, oh, that she were an open, etc. thou pauperin pear. Romeo, good night. All to my truckle bed, this field bed is too cold for me to sleep. Come. Oh, shall we go? Well, go then, for tis in vain to seek him here that means not to be found. Exit. Scene two, Capulet's Orchard, enter Romeo. He jests at scars that never felt a wound. Juliet appears above at a window. It's soft. What light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, but thou, her maid, art far more fair than she. Be not her maid, since she is envious. Her vestal livery is but sick and green, and none but fools do wear it. Cast it off. It is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. She speaks, yet she says nothing. What of that? Her eye discourses, I will answer it. I am too bold, tis not to me she speaks. Two of the fairest stars in all the heaven, having some business, do entreat her eyes to twinkle in their spheres till they return. What if her eyes were there, they in her head? The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp. Her eyes in heaven would through the airy region stream so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. See how she leans her cheek upon her hand. Oh, that I were a glove upon that hand that I might touch that cheek. Ay, me. She speaks. Oh, speak again, bright angel, for thou art as glorious to this night, being o'er my head as a winged messenger of heaven, unto the white, upturned, wandering eyes of mortals that fall back to gaze on him when he bestrides the lazy, puffing clouds and sails upon the bosom of the air. Oh, Romeo. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn, my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. More shall I speak of this. Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's Montague? It is nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would swell as sweet 
So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain that dear perfection which he owes without that title. Romeo doth thy name, and for that name which is no part of thee, take all myself. I'll take thee at thy word. Call me but love, and I'll be new baptized. Henceforth, I never will be Romeo. What man art thou that thus be screened in night so stumblest on my counsel? By a name, I know not how to tell thee who I am. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself because it is an enemy to thee. Had I written it, I would tear the word. My ears have not yet drunk a hundred words of thy tongue's uttering, yet I know the sound. Art thou not Romeo and a Montague? Neither, fair maid, either thee dislike. How camest thou hither? Tell me, and wherefore? The orchard walls are high and hard to climb, and the place death, considering who thou art, if any of my kinsmen find thee here. With love's light wings did I o'erperch these walls, for stony limits cannot hold love out, and what love can do that dares love attempt, therefore thy kinsmen are no stop to me. If they do see thee, they will murder thee. Alack, there lies more peril in thine eyes than twenty of their swords. Look, thou but sweet, and I am proof against their enmity. I would not for the world they saw thee here. I have night's cloak to hide me from their eyes. And but thou love me, let them find me here. My life were better ended by their hate than death prorogued, wanting of thy love. By whose direction foundst thou out this place? By love, that first did prompt me to inquire. He lent me counsel, and I lent him eyes. I am no pilot, yet wert thou as far as that vast shore washed with the farthest sea I should adventure for such merchandise. Thou knowst the mask of night is on my face. Else would a maiden blush bepaint my cheek for that which thou hast heard me speak tonight. Fain would I dwell on form. Fain, fain deny what I have spoke, but... Farewell, compliment. Dost thou love me? I know thou wilt say I, and I will take thy word. Yet if thou swearest, thou mayst prove false. At lovers' perjuries they say Jove laughs. Oh, gentle Romeo, if thou dost love, pronounce it faithfully. Or if thou think'st I am too quickly won, I'll frown and be perverse and say thee nay, so thou wilt woo. But else not for the world. In truth, fair Montague, I am too fond, and therefore thou mayst think my behavior light. But trust me, gentlemen, I'll prove more true than those that have more cunning to be strange. I should have been more strange, I must confess, but that thou overheardst ere I was ware my true love's passion. Therefore pardon me, and not impute this yielding to light love which the dark night hath so discovered. Lady, by yonder blessed moon I vow that tips with silver all these fruit tree tops. Oh, so where not by the moon, the inconstant moon that monthly changes in her circled orb, lest thy love prove likewise variable. What shall I swear by? Well, do not swear at all. Or if thou wilt, swear by thy gracious self, which is the god of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. If my heart's dear love... Well, do not swear. Although I joy in thee, I have no joy of this contract tonight. It is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning, which, which doth cease to be, ere it can save one's lightnings. Sweet good night. This bud of love by summer's ripening breath may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night. Good night, as sweet repose and rest come to thy heart as that within my breast. Wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have tonight? The exchange of thy love's faithful vow for mine. 
I gave thee mine before thou didst request it, and yet I would it were to give again. Wouldst thou withdraw it? For what purpose, love? But to be frank, and give it thee again. And yet I wish but for the thing I have. My bounty is as boundless as the sea, my love as deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have, for both are infinite. I hear some noise uh, within, dear love, adieu. Anon, good nurse. Oh, sweet Montague, be true. Stay but a little, I will come again. Oh, Thanks it above. Oh, blessed, blessed night. I am a feared being, and night all this is but a dream, too flattering sweet to be substantial. Re-enter Juliet above. Three words, dear Romeo, and good night indeed. If that thy bent of love be honorable, thy purpose, marriage, send me word tomorrow by one that I'll procure to come to thee, where and what time thou wilt perform the right, and all my fortunes at thy foot I'll lay, and follow thee, my lord, throughout the world. Madame? I come, Manon. But if thou means not well, I do beseech thee. Madame? By and by, I come, to cease thy suit and leave me to my grief. Tomorrow I will send. So thrive my soul. A thousand times, good night. A thousand times the worse to want thy life. Love goes towards love as schoolboys from their books. But love from love towards school with heavy looks. Retiring and re-enter Juliet above. Hist, Romeo. Hist, oh, for a falconer's voice to lure this tassel gentle back again. Bondage is hoarse and may not speak aloud, else I would tear the cave where Echo lies and make her airy tongue more hoarse than mine with repetition of my Romeo's name. Romeo! It is my soul that calls upon my name, how silver sweet sound lovers' tongues by night, like softest music to the attending ears. Romeo! My sweet. At what o'clock tomorrow shall I send to thee? By the hour of nine. I will not fail. Tis twenty year till then. I have forgot why I did call thee back. Let me stand here till thou remember it. I shall forget to have thee stand still there, remembering how I love thy company. And I'll still stay to have thee still forget, forgetting any other home but this. Tis almost morning. I would have thee gone, and yet no farther than a wanton's bird that lets it hop a little from his hand, like a poor prisoner in the twisted gyves and with a silken thread plucks it back again, so loving jealous of his liberty. I would I were thy bird. Sweet, so would I. Yet I should kill thee with much cherishing. Good night. Good night. Parting of such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. Exit above. Dwell upon thine eyes, peace in thy breast. Would I were sleep and peace, so sweet to rest. Hence will I to my ghostly friar's close cell, his help to crave, and my dear hat to tell. Exit. Scene three, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence with a basket. The gray-eyed morn smiles on the frowning night, checkering the eastern clouds with streaks of light, and flecked darkness like a drunkard reels from fourth day's path and tightens fiery wheels. Now... Ere the sun advance his burning eye, the day to cheer and night's dank dew to dry, I must upfill this osier cage of ours with baleful weeds and precious juiced flowers. The earth, that's nature's mother, is her tomb. What is her burying grave, that is her womb. And from her womb, children of diverse kind, we sucking on her natural bosom find. 
many, for many virtues, excellent, none but for some, and yet all different. Oh, mickle is the powerful grace that lies in herbs, plants, stones, and their true qualities. For not so vile that on the earth doth live, but to the earth some special good doth give. Nor aught so good, but strained from that fair use, revolts from true birth, stumbling on abuse. Virtue itself turns to vice being misapplied, and vice sometimes by action dignified. Within the infant rind of this small flower, poison hath residence and medicine power. For this being smelt, with that part cheers each part, being tasted, slays all senses with the heart. Two such opposed kings encamp them still in man, as well as herbs, grace, and rude will. And where the worser is predominant, full soon the canker, death eats up that plant. Enter Romeo. Romeo? <laughs> oh, I don't, uh, is this me? Or it's is it a, still? It's is, in a different spot. Start with good model. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I have Andrew Romeo in a different spot on my page. Sorry. Oh, sorry. My bad. Good moral father. Benedicte, what early tongue so sweet saluteth me? Young son, it argues a distempered head so soon to bid good morrow to thy bed. Care keeps his watch in every old man's eye, and where care lodges, sleep will never lie. But where unbruised youth with unstuffed brain doth couch his limbs, there golden sleep doth reign. Therefore thy earliness doth me assure thou art uproused by some distemperature. Or if not, so, then here I hit it right, our Romeo hath not been in bed tonight. The last is true. The sweeter rest was mine. God, pardon, sin. Wast thou with Rosaline? With Rosaline, my ghostly father. No, I have forgot that name, and that name's woe. That's my good son. But where hast thou been, then? I'll tell thee ere thou askest me again. I have been feasting with mine enemy, where on a sudden one hath wounded me. That's... By me wounded, both are remedies within thy help and holy physic lies. I bear no hatred, blessed man, for lo, my intercession likewise steads my foe. Be plain, good son, and homely in thy drift. Riddling confession finds but riddling shrift. Then plainly know my heart's dear love is set on the fair daughter of rich Capulet. As mine on hers, so hers is set on mine. And all combined, save while wilt what thou must combine by holy marriage. When and where and how we met, we wooed and made exchange of vow, I'll tell thee as we pass. But this I pray, that thou consent to marry us today. Holy Saint Francis, what a change is here. Is Rosaline, whom thou didst love so dear, so soon forsaken? Young men's love then lies not truly in their hearts, but in their... Eyes, Jesu Maria, what a deal of brine hath washed thy sallow cheeks for Rosaline. How much salt water thrown away in waste to season love that of it doth not taste. The sun not yet thy sights from heaven clears, thy old groans ring yet in my ancient ears. Lo, here upon thy cheek the stain doth sit of an old tear that is not washed off yet. 
If e'er thou wast thyself, and these woes thine, thou and these woes were all for Rosaline, and art thou changed? Pronounce this sentence then. Women may fall when there's no strength in men. Thou chidst me oft for loving Rosaline. For doting, not for loving, pupil mine. And badst me bury love. Not in a grave to lay one in, another out to have. I pray thee chide me not, her I love now doth grace for grace and love for love avow, allow. The other did not so. Oh, she knew well thy love did read by rote and could not spell. But come, young waverer, come, go with me. In one respect I'll thy assistant be. For this alliance may so happy prove to turn your household's rancor to pure love. Oh, let us hence. I stand on sudden haste. Wisely and slow, they stumble that run fast. Exempt. Scene four, a street, Ender Benvolio and Mercutio. Oh, where the devil should this Romeo be? Came he not home tonight? Not to his father's. I spoke with his man. Oh, that same pale, hard-hearted wench, that Rosaline torments him so that he will sure run mad. Oh, Tybalt, a kinsman of old Capulet, has sent a letter to his father's house. A challenge on my life. Romeo will answer it. <laughs> Any man that can write may answer a letter. Nay, he will answer the letter's master how he dares being dared. Alas, poor Romeo, he's already dead. Stabbed with a white wench's black eye, shot through the ear with a love song, the very pin of his heart cleft with a blind bow, blind bow boy's butt shaft, and he is a man to encounter Tybalt. Why, what is Tybalt? Oh, more than Prince of Cats, I can tell you. Oh, he is the courageous captain of compliments. He fights as you sing prick song, keeps time, distance, and proportion, rests his minimum rests, one, two, and the third in your bosom. It's the very butcher of a silk button, a duelist, a duelist. A gentleman of the very first house, of the first and second cause. Oh, the immortal Sado, the punto reverso, the high. What? Oh, the pox of such antic, lisping, affecting fantasticos. These new turners of accents. By Jesus, a very good blade. A very tall man. Very good whore. Why, is not this lamentable thing, grandsire, that we should be thus afflicted with these strange flies, these fashion mongers, these perdonemies who stand so much on the new form that they cannot at ease on the old bench. Oh, they're bones, they're bones. Oh, oh, Romeo. Here comes Romeo, here comes Romeo. Ah, without his roe like a dried herring. Flesh, flesh, thou art fishified. Now is he for the numbers that Petrarch flowed in. Laura to his lady was but a kitchen wench. Mary should be, had a better love to be rhyme her. Dido a dowry, Cleopatra a gypsy, Helen and hero, hidings, harlots, Fisbee a great eye or so, but not so the purpose. Signor Romeo, bonjour. There's a French salutation to your French slob. You gave us the counterfeit fairy last night. Good morrow to you both. What counterfeit did I give you? Uh, the slip, sir. The slip. Can you not conceive? Pardon, good Mercutio. My business was too great and... In such a case as mine, a man may strain courtesy. Mm, that's as much as to say such a case as yours constrains a man to bow in the hands. Meaning to curtsy. Ah, thou hast kindly hit it. A most courteous exposition. Nay, I am the very pink of courtesy. Pink for flower. Right. Why then is my pump well flowered? 
Well said. Follow me this jest now till thou hast worn out thy pump, that when the single soul of it is warm, the jest may remain after the wearing soul singular. Oh, single soul jest, solely singular for the singleness. Oh, come between us, good Benvolio, my wits faint. Swits and spurs, swits and spurs are all cry a match. Nay, if thy wits run the wild goose chase, I have done. For thou hast more of the wild goose in one of thy wits, I am sure. I had my whole five. Uh, was I with you there for the goose? Thou was never with me for anything when thou wast not there for the goose. I will bite thee by the ear for that jest. Nay, good goose, bite not. Thy <laughs> wit is a very bitter sweeting. It is a most sharp sauce. And is it not then well served into a sweet goose? Oh, ho, ho, here's a wit of the chevril that stretches from an inch narrow to an L broad. I stretch it out for that word broad, which added to the goose proves thee far and wide a broad goose. Why, is this not better now than groaning for love? Now art thou sociable, now art thou Romeo, now art thou what thou art by art as well as by nature. For this dribbling love is like a great natural that runs lolling up and down to hide his bobble in a hole. Stop there. Stop there. <laughs> thou desirest me to stop in my tail against the hair. Thou wouldst else have made thy tail large. Oh, thou art deceived. I would have made it short, for I was come to the whole depth of my tail and meant indeed to occupy the argument no longer. <laughs> Here's a goodly gear. Enter Nurse and Peter. Oh, oh a sail, a sail. Two, two, a shirt and a smock. Peter. Anon? Peter. My fan, Peter. Oh, good Peter. Hide her face for her fan's the fair face. Uh, God, you good morrow, gentlemen. God, you good even, fair gentlewoman. Is it good then? Mm, tis no less, I tell you, for the body hand of the dial is now upon the uh, prick of noon. Oh, out upon you! What a man are you! <laughs> One gentleman that God had made himself of Tamar. By my troth, it is well said for himself, Tamar, quoth uh, Gentlemen, can any of you tell me where I may find the young Romeo? I can tell you, but young Romeo will be older when you have found him than he was when you sought him. I'm the youngest of that name for fault of a worse. You say well. Yea, yeah. is the worst well? Very well. Took a faith wisely. Oh, wisely. Uh, if you be he, sir, I desire some confidence with you. She will indite him to some supper. <gasps> oh, a bod, a bod, a bod, so ho. What hast thou found? No hair, sir, unless a hair, sir, in a Lenten pie. That is something stale and a whore ere it be spent. Uh, an old hair whore, and an old hair whore is very good meat in Lent, but a hair that is whore is too much for a score when it whores ere it be spent. Romeo, will you come to your father's will to dinner thither? I will follow you. Farewell, ancient lady. Oh, farewell, lady. Lady. Oh, lady. Kingston, Mercutio, and Benvolio. <clears throat> Mary, farewell. <laughs> oh, I pray you, sir, what saucy merchant was this that was so full of his ropery? 
a gentleman nurse that loves to hear himself talk and will speak more in a minute than he will stand to in a month. <laughs> and speak anything against me, I'll take him down and we're lustier than he is, 20 such jacks, and if I cannot, I, I'll find those that shall, scurvy knave. I am none of his flirt gills. I am none of his skeins mates, and thou must stand by too and suffer every knave use me at his pleasure. I saw no man. I saw no man use you a pleasure. If I had, my weapon would have quickly been out. I warn you. I dare draw as soon as any other man if I see occasion, a good quarrel, and the law is on my side. No, afore God, I am so vexed that every part about me <laughs> quivers. <laughs> Scurvy knave. <laughs> Pray you, sir, a word. And as I told you, my young lady bade me inquire you out. <laughs> what she bade me say, I will keep to myself. But first, let me tell you, if you should lead her into a fool's paradise, as they say. It were a very gross kind of behavior, as they say. For the gentlewoman is young, and therefore, if you should deal double with her, truly it were an ill thing to be offered to any gentlewoman and a very weak dealing. Nurse, commend me to thy lady and mistress. I protest unto thee. The good heart of the good faith. I will tell her as much. Lord, Lord, she will be a joyful woman. What wilt thou tell her, nurse? Thou... Dost not mark me. So I, I will tell her, sir, that you do protest, which, as I take it, is a gentlemanlike offer. Bid her devise some means to come to shrift this afternoon, and there she shall, at Friar Lawrence's cell, be shrived and married. Here is for thy pains. Oh, no, truly, sir, not a penny. Go to, I say you shall. This afternoon, sir. Well, she shall be there. And stay, good nurse, behind the abbey wall. Within this hour, my man shall be with thee and bring thee cords made like a tackled stair, which to the high top, uh, top gallant of my joy must be con convoy in the secret night. Farewell. Be trusty, and I'll quit thy pains. Farewell. Commend me to thy mistress. Now, God in heaven bless thee. Hark you, sir. What sayest thou, my dear nurse? Is your man secret? Did you ne'er hear say two may keep counsel, putting one away? Warrant thee, my man's as true as steel. Well, sir, my mistress is the sweetest lady. Lord, Lord, when twas a little prating thing, oh, there is a nobleman in town, one Paris, that would fain lay knife aboard. But she, good soul, had as lief to see a toad, a very toad, as see him. I anger her sometimes and tell her that Paris is the proper man, but I'll warrant you when I say so, she looks as pale as any clout in the versal world. Doth not Rosemary and Romeo begin both with a letter? I nurse, what of that? Both with an R. I mock her. That's the dog's name. Hers for the... No, I know it begins with some other letter, and she hath the prettiest sense of it, of you and Rosemary, that it would do you good to hear it. Commend me to thy lady. Aye, a thousand times. Exit Romeo. Peter? Mm. Anon? 
Peter, take my fan and go before and the place. Excellent. Scene five, Capulet's Orchard. Enter Juliet. The clock struck nine when I did send the nurse. In half an hour, she promised to return. Perchance she cannot meet him. That's not so. Oh, she is lame. Love's heralds should be thoughts, which ten times faster glides than the sun's beams, driving back shadows over lowering hills. Therefore do nimble pinion doves draw love, and therefore hath the wind swift cupid wings. Now is the sun upon the highmost hill of this day's journey, and from nine till twelve is three long hours, and yet she is not come. Had she affections and warm, youthful blood, she would be as swift in motion as a ball. My words would bandy her to my sweet love and his to me. But old folks, many faint as they were dead, unwieldy, slow, heavy, and pale as lead. Oh, God, she comes. Oh, honey, nurse, um, what news? Hast thou met with him? Send thy man away. Peter, stay at the gate. Exit Peter. Oh, good, sweet nurse. Oh, Lord, why looks thou sad? Though news be sad, yet tell them merrily. If good, thou shamest the music of sweet news by playing it to me with so sour a face. I'm a-weary. Give me leave a while. Fie how my bones ache. What a john have I had. I would thou hadst my bones, and I thy news. Nay, come, I pray thee speak. Good, good nurse, speak. Jesu, what haste. Can you not stay a while? Do you not see that I am out of breath? <laughs> How art thou out of breath when thou hast breath to tell me that thou art out of breath? The excuse that thou dost make in this delay is longer than the tale thou dost excuse. Is thy news good or bad? Answer to that. Say either and I'll state the circumstance. Let me be satisfied. Is it good or bad? Well... You have made a simple choice. You know not how to choose a man. Romeo, no, not he. Though his face be better than any man's, yet his leg excels all men. And for a hand, and a foot, and a body, though they not, though they be not to be talked on, yet they are past compare. He is not the flower of, of courtesy, but I'll warrant him as gentle as a lamb. Go thy ways, wench. Serve God. What, have you dined at home? No. No, but all this I did know before. What says he of our marriage? What of that? Lord, how my head aches. What a head have I? It beats as if it would fall into 20 pieces. Oh, my back. No, on the other side. Oh, my back, my back. Beshrew your heart presenting me about to catch my death with jaunting up and down. Faith, I am sorry that thou art not well. Sweet, sweet, sweet nurse. I lost my Hey. Well, I'll tell you what your love says. Your love says. Thank you. Like an honest gentleman and a courteous and a kind and a handsome and I warrant a virtuous. Where's your mother? Where is my mother? Well, she's within. Where should she be? How oddly thou repliest. Your love says, like an honest gentleman, where is your mother? Oh, God's lady, dear, are you so hot? Mary, come up. I trow, is this the poultice for my aching bones? Henceforth. Your messages yourself. 
you're such a coil. Come, what says Romeo? Have you got leave to go to Shrift today? I have. Then hie you hence to Friar Lawrence's cell. There stays a husband to make you a wife. <laughs> now comes the wanton blood up in your cheeks. There'll be scarlet straight at any news. Are you to church? I must another way to, to fetch a ladder by which your love must climb a bird's nest soon when it is dark. Ugh, I am the drudge and toil in your delight, but you shall bear the burden. Go, I'll to dinner. Hi, you to the cell. Hi to high fortune. Honest nurse, farewell. Exempt. Scene six, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence and Romeo. So smile the heavens upon this holy act that after hours with sorrow chide us not. Amen, amen. Oh, come what sorrow can, it cannot countervail the exchange of joy that one short minute gives me in her sight. Thou dost but close our hands with holy words, then love devouring death, do what he dare. It is enough, I may but call her mine. These violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which, as they kiss, consume. The sweetest honey is loathsome in his own deliciousness, and in the taste confounds the appetite. Therefore, love moderately. Long love doth so. Too swift arrives, as tardy as too slow. Enter Juliet. Ah, here comes the lady. Oh, so light a foot will ne'er wear out the everlasting flint. A lover may bestride the gossamer that idles in the wanton summer air, and yet not fall, so light is vanity. God, even to my goodly confessor. Romeo shall thank thee, daughter, for us both. As much to him, else is his thanks too much. Oh. Juliet, if the measure of thy jo joy be heaped like mine, and that thy skill be more to blazon it than sweeten it with thy breath, than sweeten with thy breath this neighbor air, and let rich music's tongue unfold the imagined happiness that both receive in either by this dearer encounter. Conceit, more rich in matter than in words, brags of his substance, not of ornament. They are but beggars that can count their worth. But my true love is grown to such excess I cannot sum up some of half my wealth. Come, come with me, and we will make short work. For by your leaves you shall not stay alone till holy church incorporate two in one. Exit. Act three, scene one, a public place. Enter Mercutio, Benvolio, page, and servants. I pray thee, good Mercutio, let's retire the day. Is hot, the capulet's abroad, and if we meet, we shall not scape a brawl. For now, these hot days, the, is the mad blood stirring? Thou art like one of those fellows that when he enters the confines of a tavern, claps his sword upon the table and says, God send me no need of thee, and by the operation of the second cup, draws it on the drawer when indeed there is no need. Am I like such a fellow? Oh, come, come, thou art as hot a jack as any mood as any in Italy, and as soon moved as to be moody, and as soon moody to be moved. And what to? Nay, there, and there are two such. We should have none shortly, for one would kill the other. Thou, why, thou wilt quarrel with a man that hath a hair more or a hair less in his beard than thou hast. Thou wilt quarrel with a man for cracking nuts, having no other reason but because thou hast hazel eyes. What eye but such an eye would spy out such a quarrel? 
Thy head is as fun, full of quarrels as an egg is full of meat, and yet thy head hath been beaten as addle as an egg for quarreling. Thou hast quarreled with a man for coughing in the street, because he hath wakened thy dog, and that, that hath lain asleep in the sun. Didst thou not fall out with a tailor for wearing his new doublet before Easter? Hmm? Huh? With another for tying his shoes with old ribbon? Huh? And yet thou wilt tutor me from quarreling. And I were so apt to quarrel as thou art. Any man should buy the fee simple of my life for an hour and a quarter. The fee simple. Oh, simple. By my head, here comes the capulets. By my heel, I care not. Enter Tybalt and others. Follow me close, for I will speak with them. Gentlemen, good den. A word with one of you. And but one word with one of us? Well, couple it with something. Make it a word and a blow. <laughs> you shall find me apt enough to that, sir, and you give me occasion. Could you not take some occasion without giving? Mercutio, thou consortest with Romeo. Consort? What, dost thou make us minstrels? And thou make minstrels of us. Look, here, nothing but discords. Here's my fiddlestick. Here's that shall make you dance. Zunes, consort. We talk here in the public haunt of men. Either withdraw unto some private place and reason coldly of your grievances, or else depart. Here all eyes gaze on us. Men's eyes were made to look. Let them gaze. I will not budge for no man's pleasure I. Enter Romeo. Well, peace be with you, sir. Here comes my man. But I'll be hanged, sir, if you wear your livery. Mary, go before the field. He'll be your follower. Your worship in that sense may call him mad. Romeo. The hate I bear thee can afford no better term than this. Thou art a villain, therefore turn and draw. Thou art a villain. The reason that I have to love thee doth much excuse thee, appertaining rage to such a greeting. Villain am I not. Therefore farewell, I see thou knowest me not. Boy, this shall not excuse the injuries that thou hast done me. Therefore turn and draw. I do protest I never injured thee, but love thee better than thou canst devise. So thou shalt know the reason of my love, and so, good Capulet, which name I tender as dearly as my own, be satisfied. Oh, calm, dishonorable, vile submission. Alice Dakota carries it away. Tybalt, you rat catcher, will you walk? Draws. What wouldst thou have with me? Good king of cats, nothing but one of your nine lives. That I mean to make bold withal. And as you shall use me hereafter, drive me the rest of the eight. Will you pluck your sword out of this pitcher by the ears? Make haste. Let mine be about your ears ere it be out. I am for you. Drawing. Gentle Mercutio, put up thy rapier. Put thy rapier up. Come on, sir, your passado. They fight. Draw Benvolio, beat down their weapons. Gentlemen, for shame, forbear this outrage. Tybalt, Mercutio, the prince expressly hath forbid this bandying, bandying in Verona streets. Hold, Tybalt. Good Mercutio. Tybalt, under Romeo's arm, stabs Mercutio and flies with his followers. Ah, I am hurt. A plague on both your houses, I am sped. Is he gone and hath nothing? What? Art thou hurt? Aye, aye, aye. Scratch, scratch. Mary, tis enough. Where is my page? Go, villain, get me a surgeon. Exit page. Scourge man, the hurt cannot be much. No, no, tis not so deep as a well, nor so wide as a church door, but tis enough to serve. Ask for me tomorrow, and you shall find me a grave man. I am peppered, I warrant, for this world. 
a plague on both your houses, zooms a dog, a rat, a mouse, a cat, to scratch a man to death, braggart, rogue, villain that fights by the book of arithmetic, why the devil came you between us. I was hurt under your arm. I thought all for the best. Help me into some house, Benvolio, or I shall faint. A plague on both your houses that they have made worms meet of me. I have it, and soundly too. Your houses. Exit Mercutio and Benvolio. This gentleman, the prince's near ally, my very friend, hath got his mortal hurt in my behalf. My reputation stained with Tybalt's slander. Tybalt, that an hour hath been my cousin. Oh, sweet Julia, thy beauty hath made me effeminate, and in my temper softened Ballard's, Ballard's steel. Re-enter Benvolio. Oh, Romeo. Romeo, brave Mercutio's dead. That gallant spirit hath aspired clouds, which too untimely here did scorn the earth. This day's black fate on more days doth depend. This but begins the woe others must end. Here comes the furious Tybalt back again. Alive in triumph and Mercutio slain. Away to heaven, respected lenity, and fire-eyed fury be my, co- be my conduct now. Re-enter Tybalt. Now, Tybalt, take the villain back again. That late thou givest me, for Mercutio's soul is but a little way above our heads, staying for thine to keep him company. Either thou or I, or both, must go with him. Thou wretched boy, thou didst consort with him here, shalt with him hence. This shall determine that. They fight. Tybalt falls. Romeo, away, be gone. The citizens are up and Tybalt slain. Stand not amazed. The prince will doom thee death if thou art taken. Hence, be gone, away. Oh, I am fortune's fool. What dost thou say? Why, what, why dost thou stay? Exit Romeo, enter citizens and co. <laughs> which way ran he that killed Mercutio? Tybalt the murderer, which way ran he? There lies that Tybalt. Uh, uh, up, sir, go with me. I charge thee in the prince's name, obey. And Where do- are the vile beginners of this fray? Oh, noble prince, I can discover all. The unlucky manage of this fatal brawl, there lies the man slain by young Romeo that slew thy kinsman, brave Mercutio. Tybalt, my cousin! Oh, my brother's child! Oh, prince, oh, cousin, husband, oh, the blood is spilt. Oh, my dear kinsman, prince, as thou art true, for blood of ours shed blood of Montague. Oh, cousin, cousin. Benvolio, who began this bloody fray? Tybalt, here slain, whom Romeo's hand did slay. Romeo, that spoke him fair bade him bethink how nice the quarrel was and urged with all your high displeasure. All this uttered with gentle breath, calm look, knees humbly bowed, could not take truce with the unruly spleen of Tybalt deaf to peace, but that he tilts with piercing steel at bold Mercutio's breast, who all as hot turns deadly point to point with a 
Martial scorn with one hand beats cold death aside and with the other sends it back to Tybalt whose dexterity retorts it. Romeo, he cries aloud, hold friends, friends part and swifter than his tongue, his agile arm beats down their fatal points and twixt them rushes underneath whose arm and envious thrust from Tybalt hit the life of stout Marcuccio. And then Tybalt fled. But by and by comes back to Romeo, who had, who had but newly entertained revenge, and to it they go like lightning, for ere I could draw to part them was stout Tybalt slain, and as he fell did Romeo turn and fly. This is the truth, or let Benvolio die. He is a kinsman to the Montague. Affection makes him false. He speaks not true. Some 20 of them fought in this black strife, and all those 20 could but kill one life. I beg for justice, which thou, prince, must give. Romeo slew Tybalt. Romeo must not live. Romeo slew him, he slew Mercutio. Who now the price of his dear blood doth owe? Not Romeo, prince. He was Mercutio's friend. His fault concludes but what the law should end the life of Tybalt. And for that offense, immediately we do exile him hence. I have an interest in your heart's proceedings. My blood for your rude brawls doth lie a-bleeding, but I'll immense you with so strong a fine that you shall all repent the loss of mine. I will be deaf to pleading and excuses, nor tears nor prayers shall purchase our abuses, therefore use none. Let Romeo hence in haste, else... When he is found, that hour is his last. Bear hence this body and attend our will. Mercy but murders, pardoning those that kill. Exit. Scene two. Capulet's orchard. Enter Juliet. Gallop apace, you fiery-footed steeds, towards Phoebus' lodging. Such a wagoner as Phaeton would whip you to the west and bring in cloudy night immediately. Spread thy clothes, curtain, love-performing night. But the runaway's eyes may wink, and Romeo leap to these arms, untalked of and unseen. Lovers can see to do their amorous rites by their own beauties. Or if love be blind, it best agrees with night. Come, civil knight, thou sober-suited matron all in black, and learn me how to lose a winning match, played for a pair of stainless maidenhoods. Hood my unmanned blood, baiting in my cheeks with thy black mantle, till strange love grow bold. Think true love acted simple modesty. Come night, come Romeo, come thou day in night, for thou wilt lie upon the wings of night, whiter than new snow upon a raven's back. Come, gentle night, come, loving black-browed night, give me my Romeo, and when he shall die, take him and cut him out in little stars, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with night and pay no worship to the garish sun. Oh, I have bought the mansion of a love, but not possessed it, and though I am sold, not yet enjoyed. So tedious is this day as is the night before some festival to an impatient child that hath new robes and may not wear them. Oh, here comes my nurse. And she brings news. And every tongue that speaks but Romeo's name speaks heavenly eloquence. Now, nurse, what news? What hast thou there? The cords that Romeo bid thee fetch? And your nurse. 
Aye, aye, the cords. Ay me, what news? Why dost thou wring thy hands? Oh, well, they... He's dead, he's dead. He's dead. We are undone, lady, we are undone. Alack, the day, he's gone, he's killed. He's dead. Can heaven be so envious? Romeo can, though heaven cannot. Oh, Romeo. Romeo, whoever would have thought it, Romeo. What devil art thou that dost torment me thus? This torture should be roared in dismal hell. Hath Romeo slain himself? Say thou but I, and that bare vowel I, shall poison more than the death-darting eye of cockatrice. I am not I, if there be such an eye. Or those eyes shut that makes the answer I. If he be slain, say I, or if not, no. Brief sounds determine my weal or woe. I saw the wound. I saw it with mine eyes. God save the mark here on his manly breast. Piteous coarse, bloody, piteous coarse, pale. Pale as ashes, all bedabbed in blood, all in gore blood. I I wounded at sight. Oh, break my heart, poor bankrupt. Break at once. To prison eyes, ne'er look on liberty. Vile earth to earth resign, end motion here. And thou and Romeo press one heavy beer. Oh, Tybalt, Tybalt, the best friend I had, oh, courteous Tybalt, honest gentleman, that ever I should live to see thee dead. What storm is this that blows so contrary? Is Romeo slaughtered, and is Tybalt dead? My dearest cousin and my dearer lord? Then dreadful trumpets sound the general doom, for who is living if those two are gone? Tybalt is gone, and Romeo banished. Romeo that killed him, he is banished. Oh, God, did Romeo's hand shed Tybalt's blood? It did. It did. Alas, the day, it did. Oh, serpent heart, hid with a flowering face. Did ever dragon keep so fair a cave? Beautiful tyrant, fiend, angelical, dove-feathered, raven, wolfish, ravening lamb, despised substance of divinest show, just opposite to what thou justly seemest, a damned saint, an honorable villain. Oh, nature, what hadst thou to do in hell when thou didst bower the spirit of a fiend in mortal paradise of such sweet flesh? Was ever book containing such vile matter so fairly bound? Oh, that deceit should dwell in such a gorgeous palace. There's no trust, no faith, no honesty in men. All perjured, all forsworn, all knocked, all dissemblers. Oh, where is my man? Give me some aqua vitae. These griefs, these woes, these sorrows make me old. Shame come to Romeo. Blistered be thy tongue for such a wish. He was not born to shame. Upon his brow shame is ashamed to sit. For tis a throne where honor may be crowned, sole monarch of the universal earth. What a beast was I to chide at him! Will you speak well of him that killed your cousin? Shall I speak ill of him that is my husband? Oh, poor my lord, what tongue shall smooth thy name when I, thy three hours' wife, have mangled it? But wherefore, villain, didst thou kill my cousin? That cousin would have killed my husband. Back, foolish tears, back to your native spring. Your tributary drops belong to woe, which you, mistaking, offer up to joy. My husband lives that Tybalt would have slain, and Tybalt's dead that would have slain my husband. All this is comfort, wherefore weep I then? Some word there was worser than Tybalt's death that murdered me. 
I would forget it fain, but oh, it presses to my memory like damned guilty deeds to sinners' minds. Tybalt is dead, and Romeo banished. That banished, that one word, banished, hath slain 10,000 Tybalts. Tybalt's death was woe enough if it had ended there, or if sour woe delights in fellowship and needly will be ranked with other griefs, why not followed when she said, Tybalt's dead, thy father, or thy mother, nay, or both, which modern lamentation might have moved. But with a rearward forwarding Tybalt's death, Romeo is banishing? To speak that word is father, mother, Tybalt, Romeo, Juliet, all slain, all dead. Romeo is banishing. There is no end, no limit, measure, bound in that word's death. No words that can that woe sound. Where is my father and my mother, nurse? Weeping and wailing over Tybalt's course. Will you go to them? I will bring you thither. Wash they his wounds with tears. Mine shall be spent when theirs are dry for Romeo's banishment. Take up those cords. For ropes you are beguiled, both you and I, for Romeo is exiled. He made you for a highway to my bed, but I, a maid, die maiden widowed. Come, cords, come, nurse, all to my wedding bed, and death, not Romeo, take my maiden head. Tie to your chamber. I'll find Romeo to comfort you. I wot well where he is. Harky, your Romeo will be here at night. All to him. He is hid at Lawrence's cell. Oh, find him? Give this ring to my true knight and bid him come to take his last farewell. Exunt. Scene three, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence. Romeo, come forth. Come forth, thou fearful man. Affliction is enamored of thy parts, and thou art wedded to calamity. Enter Romeo. Father, what news? What is the prince's doom? What Sorrow craves acquaintance at my hand that yet I know not. Too familiar is my dear son with such sour company. I bring thee tidings of the prince's doom. What less than doomsday is the prince's doom? A gentler judgment vanished from his lips. Not body's death, but body's banishment. Banishment. Be merciful, say death. For exile hath more terror in his look, much more than death. Do not say banishment. Hence from Verona art thou banished. Be patient, for the world is broad and wide. There is no world without Verona walls, but purgatory, torture, hell itself. Hence banished is banished from the world, and world's exile is death. Then banished is death. Misturmined, calling death, banished, thou cutst my head off with a golden axe and smilest upon the stroke that murders me. Oh, deadly sin. Oh, rude unthankfulness. Thy fault our law calls death, but the kind prince, taking thy part, hath rushed aside the law and turned that black word death to banishment. There is dear mercy, and thou seest it not. It is torture and not mercy. Heaven is here where Juliet lives, and every cat and dog and little mouse, every unworthy thing, live here in heaven and may look on her, but Romeo may not. More 
more validity, more honorable state, more courtship lives in carrion flies than Romeo. They may seize on the white wonder of dear Juliet's hand and steal immortal blessings from her lips, who even in pure and vestal modesty still blush as thinking their own kisses sin. But Romeo may not. He is banished. Flies may do this, but I from this must fly. They are free men, but I am banished. And sayest thou not, and sayest thou yet that exile is not death? Hadst thou no poison mixed, no sharp ground knife, no sudden scene of death, though ne'er so mean, but banished to kill me, banished? O friar, the damned use that world, the friar, the damned use that word in hell, howling attentive. How hast thou the heart, being divine, a ghostly confessor, a sin absolver, and my friend professed to mangle me with that word banished? Thou fond madman, hear me but speak a word. Oh, thou wilt speak again of banishment. I'll give thee armor to keep off that word. Adversity's sweet milk, philosophy to comfort thee, though thou art banished. Yet banished, hang up philosophy. Unless philosophy can make a Juliet displant a town, reverse a prince's doom, it helps not, it prevails not, talk no more. Oh, then I see madmen have no ears. How should they, when that wise men have no eyes? Let me dispute with thee of thy estate. Thou canst not speak of that thou dost not feel. Wert thou as young as I, Juliet, thy love, an hour but married, Tybalt murdered, doting like me, and like me banished, then mightst thou speak, then mightst thou tear my hair and fall upon the ground, as I do now, taking the measure of an unmade grave. Arise, one knocks. Good Romeo, hide thyself. Not I, unless the breath of heart-sit groans, mist, mist-like enfold me from the search of eyes. Hark, how they knock! Who's there? Romeo, arise. Thou wilt be taken. Uh, stay a while. Stand up. Run to my study. By and by. God's will, what simpleness is this? I come, uh, I come. Who knocks so hard? Whence come you? What's your will? Let me come in, and you shall know my errand. I come from Lady Juliet. Welcome, then. Enter nurse. <laughs> oh, holy friar. Oh, tell me, holy friar, where is my lady's lord? Where's Romeo? There, on the ground, with his own tears made drunk. Oh, he is even in my mistress's case, just in her case. No woeful sympathy, piteous predicament. Even so lies she blubbering and weeping, weeping and blubbering. Stand up. Stand up. Stand and you be a man for Juliet's sake, for her sake, rise and stand. Why should you fall into so deep an O? Nurse. Ah, sir. Ah, sir. Well, death's the end of all. Speakst thou of Juliet, how is with her? Doth not she think me an old murderer, now I have stained the childhood of our joy, with blood removed but little from her own? Where is she, and how doth she, and what says my concealed lady to our concealed love? Oh, her she says love? nothing, sir, but weeps and weeps, and now falls on her bed, and then starts up and 
And Tybalt calls, and then on Romeo cries, and then down falls again. And if that name, shot from the deadly level of a gun, did murder her, as that name, cursed hand, murdered her kinsman. Oh, tell me, friar, tell me, in what vile part of this anatomy doth my name lodge? Tell me that I may sack that hateful mansion. Drawing his sword. Hold thy desperate hand. Art thou a man? Thy form cries out thou art. Thy tears are womanish. Thy wild acts denote the unreasonable fury of a beast. Unseemly woman and a seeming man, or ill-beseeming beast in seeming both. Thou hast amazed me. By my holy order, I thought thy disposition better tempered. Hast thou slain, Tybalt? Wilt thy slay thyself and stay thy lady too that lives in thee by doing damned hate upon thyself? Why railst thou on thy birth, the heaven and earth, since birth and heaven and earth, all three do meet in thee at once, which thou at once wouldst lose? Fie, fie, thou shamest thy shape, thy love, thy wit, which, like a usurer, abounds in all, and usest none in that true use, indeed, which should bedeck thy shape, thy love, thy wit. Thy noble shape is but a form of wax, Distressing from the valor of a man, thy dear love sworn but holy perjury, killing that love which thou hast vowed to cherish. Thy wit, that ornament to shape and love, misshapen in the conduct of them both, like powder in a skitless soldier's flask, is set afire by thine own ignorance, and thou dismembered with thine own defense. What? Rouse thee, man! Thy Juliet is alive, for whose dear sake thou wast but lately dead. There art thou happy. Tybalt would kill thee, but thou slewest Tybalt. There art thou happy too. The law that threatens death becomes thy friend and turns it to exile. There art thou happy. A pack of blessings lights upon thy back. Happiness courts thee in her best array, but like a misbehaved and sullen wench, thou pounced upon thy fortune and thy love. Take heed, take heed, for such die miserable. Go, get thee to thy love as was decreed. Ascend her chamber hence and comfort her. But look thou stay not to the watch be sent, for then thou canst not pass to Mantua, where thou shalt live till we can find a time to blaze your marriage, reconcile your friends, beg pardon of the prince, and call thee back with twenty hundred thousand times more joy than thou wentst forth in lamentation. Go before, nurse. Commend me to thy lady, and bid her hasten all the house to bed, which heavy sorrow make them apt unto. Romeo is coming. Oh, Lord, I could have stayed here all night to hear good counsel. Oh, what learning is. My Lord, I'll tell my lady you will come. Do so, and bid my sweet prepare to chide. Here, sir, a ring she bid me give you, sir. How you make haste, for it grows very late. How well my comfort is provided by this. Go hence. Good night. And here stands all your state. Either be gone before the watch be set, or by the break of day disguised from hence. Sojourn in Mantua, I'll find out your man, and he shall signify from time to time every good hap to you that chances here. Give me thy hand. Tis late. Farewell. Good night.
but that a joy past joy calls out to me. It were a grief so brief to part with thee. Farewell. Exit. Scene four, a room in Capulet's house. Enter Capulet, Lady Capulet in Paris. Things have fallen out, sir, so unluckily that we have had no time to move our daughter. Look you, she loved her kinsman Tybalt dearly, and so did I. Well, we were born to die. Tis very late. She'll not come down tonight, I promise you. But for your company, I would have been abed an hour ago. These times of woe afford no time to woo. Madam, good night. Commend me to your daughter. I will, and, and know her mind early tomorrow. Tonight she is mewed up by her heaviness. <clears throat> Sir Paris, I will make a desperate tender of my child's love. I think she will be ruled in all respects by me. Nay, more, I doubt it not. Wife, go you to her ere you go to bed. Acquaint her here of my son Paris's love. And bid her mark you me on Wednesday next. But soft, what day is this? A Monday, my lord. Monday? Ha! Well, Wednesday is too soon. A Thursday, let it be. On Thursday, tell her she shall be married to this noble earl. Will you be ready? Do you like this haste? We'll keep no great ado. A friend or two, for hark you, Tybalt being slain so late, it may be thought we held him carelessly, being our kinsman if we revel much. Therefore, we'll have some half a dozen friends, and there's an end. What say you to Thursday? My lord, I would that Thursday were tomorrow. <laughs> well, get you gone. A Thursday be it. Go you to Juliet ere you go to bed. Prepare her wife. Against a sweating day. Farewell, my lord. Light to my chamber, ho. Afford me. It is so very, very late that we may call it early by and by. Good night. Exit. Scene five. Capulet's orchard. Enter Romeo and Juliet above at a window. Wilt thou be gone? It is not yet near day. It was the nightingale and not the lark that pierced the fearful hollow of thine ear. Nightly she sings on yon pomegranate tree. Believe me, love, it was the nightingale. It was the lark, the herald of the morn, no nightingale. Look, love, what envious streaks do lace the severing clouds in yonder east. Night's candles are burnt out, and jocund day stands tiptoe on the misty mountain tops. I must be gone and live or stay and die. Yon light is not daylight. I know it. I. It is some meteor that the sun exhaled to be to thee this night a torchbearer and light thee on thy way to Mantua. Therefore, stay yet, thou needst not to be gone. Let me be tame, let me be put to death. I am content, so thou wilt have it so. I'll say yon grey is not the morning's eye, tis but the pale reflex of Cynthia's brow, nor that is not the lark whose notes do beat the vaulty heaven so high above our heads. I have more care to stay than will to go. Come, death, and welcome. Juliet wills it so. How is my soul? Let's talk. It is not day. It is. It is. High hands be gone away. It is the lark that sings so out of tune, straining harsh discords and unpleasing sharts. Some say the lark makes sweet division. This doth not so, for she divideth us. Some say the lark and loathed toad change eyes. 
Well, now I would they had changed voices too, since arm from arm that voice doth us affray, hunting thee hence with hunts up to the day. Now be gone, more light and light it grows. More light and light, more dark and dark our woes. Enter nurse to the chamber. Madam. Nurse? Your lady mother is coming to your chamber. The day is broke. Be wary, look about. Then window, let day in and let life out. Farewell. Farewell. One kiss and I'll descend. Art thou gone so, love? Lord, I husband, friend. I must hear from thee every day in the hour, for in a minute there are many days. Oh, by this count I shall be much in years ere I again behold my Romeo. Farewell. I will omit no opportunity that may convey my greetings love to thee. Oh, thinks thou we shall ever meet again? I doubt it not. And all these woes shall serve for sweet discourses in our times to come. Oh, God. I have an ill-divining soul. Methinks I see thee now, thou art so low as one dead in the bottom of the tomb. Either my eyesight fails, or thou look'st pale. And trust me, love, in my eye so do you. Dry sorrow drinks our blood. Adieu, adieu. Exit. Oh, fortune, fortune, all men call thee fickle. If thou art fickle, what dost thou with him that is renowned for faith? Be fickle. Fortune, for then I hope that would not keep him long, but send him back. Ho, oh, daughter, are you up? Who is that calls? It is my lady mother. Is she not down so late or up so early? What unaccustomed calls procures her hither? Why, how now, Juliet? Madam, I am not well. Evermore weeping for your cousin's death. What? Wilt thou wash him from his grave with tears? And if thou couldst, thou couldst not make him live. Therefore have done. Some grief shows much of love, but much of grief shows still some want of wit. Yet let me weep for such a feeling loss. So shall you feel the loss, but not the friend which you weep for. Feeling so the loss, I cannot choose but ever weep the friend. Well, girl, thou weep'st not so much for his death as that the villain lives which slaughtered him. What villain, madam? That same villain, Romeo. Villain, and he be many miles asunder. God pardon him. I do with all my heart, and yet no man like he doth grieve my heart. That is because the traitor murderer lives. I, madam, from the reach of these my hands, would none but I might venge my cousin's death. We will have vengeance for it, fear thou not. Then weep no more. I'll send to one in Mantua, where that same banished rummagate doth live, shall give him such an unaccustomed dram that he shall soon keep Tybalt company. And then I hope thou wilt be satisfied. Indeed, I never shall be satisfied with Romeo till I behold him dead. Is my poor heart so for a kinsman vexed? Madam, if you could find out but a man to bear a poison, I would temper it, that Romeo should, upon receipt thereof, soon sleep in quiet. Oh, how my heart abhors to hear him named and cannot come to him to wreak the love I bore my cousin upon his body that hath slaughtered him. Find thou the means, and I'll find such a man. But 
Now I'll tell thee joyful tidings, girl. And joy comes well in such a needy time. What are they, beseech your ladyship? Well, well, thou hast a careful father, child, one who, to put thee from thy heaviness, hath sorted out a sudden day of joy that thou expects not, nor I looked not for. Madam, in happy time, what day is that? Mary, my child, early next Thursday morn, the gallant, young, and noble gentleman, the county Paris, at St. Peter's Church, shall happily make thee a joyful bride. Now by St. Peter's Church and Peter too, he shall not make me there a joyful bride. I wonder at this haste that I must be wed ere he that should be husband comes to woo. I pray you tell my lord and father, madam, I will not marry yet, and when I do, I swear it shall be Romeo, whom you know I hate rather than Paris. These are news indeed. Here, here comes your father. Tell him so yourself and see how he will take it at your hands. Under Capulet and Nurse. When the sun sets, the air doth drizzle dew, but for the sunset of my brother's sun it rains downright. How now, a conduit girl, what still in tears, ever more showering, in one little body thou, con- thou counterfeits the bark, a sea, a wind, for still thy eyes, which I may call the sea, do ebb and flow with tears. The bark thy body is, sailing in this salt flood, the winds thy sighs, who raging with thy tears, and they with them, without a sudden calm, will overset thy tempest-tossed body. How now, wife? Have you delivered to her our decree? Aye, sir, but she will none. She gives you thanks. I would the fool were married to her grave. Soft, take me with you. Take me with you, wife. How will she none? Does she not give us thanks? Is she not proud? Does she not count her blessed, unworthy as she is, that we have wrought so worthy a gentleman to her bridegroom? To be her bride. Not proud you have, but thankful that you have. Proud can I never be of what I hate, but thankful even for hate that is meant love. Oh, now. Oh, now. Chop logic. What is this? Proud and I thank you and I thank you not and yet not proud. Mistress Minion, you thank me no thankings. Nor proud me no prouds, but fettle your fine joints against Thursday next to go with Paris to St. Peter's Church, or I will drag thee on a hurdle thither. thither. Out, you green sickness carry-on. Out, you baggage, you tallow face. Fie, fie, what, what are you, mad? Good father, I beseech you on my knees, hear me with patience, but to speak a word. Hang thee, young baggage. Disobedient wretch, I tell thee what. Get thee to church on Thursday, or never after look me in the face. Speak not, reply not, do not answer me. My fingers itch. Wife, we scarce thought us blessed that God hath lent us, but this only child. But now I see this one is one too much, and that we have a curse in having her out on her hilding. God in heaven, bless her. You are to blame, my lord, to rate her so. And why, my lady wisdom, hold your tongue. Good prudence, smatter with your gossips, go. I speak no treason. Oh, God, yeah, God in. May not one speak. Peace, you mumbling fool. Utter your gravity o'er a gossip's bowl, for here we need it not. 
You are too hot. God spread. It makes me mad. Day, night, hour, tide, time, work, play, alone, in company. Still, my care hath been to have her matched. And having now provided a gentleman of noble parentage, of fair demsness, youthful and nobly trained, stuffed, as they say, with honorable parts, proportioned as one's thought would wish a man. And then to have a wretched, puling fool, a whining mammoth in her fortune's tender to answer, I'll not wed, I cannot love, I am too young, I pray you pardon me. But as you will not wed, I'll pardon you. Graze where you will, you shall not house with me. Look to it, think on it. I do not use to jest. Thursday is near. Lay hand on heart, advise, and you be mine. I'll give you to my friend, and you be not hang, beg, starve, die in the streets, for by my soul I'll ne'er acknowledge thee. Nor what is mine shall never do thee good. Trust to it. Bethink you. I'll not be forsworn. Exit. Is there no pity sitting in the clouds that sees into the bottom of my grief? Oh, sweet, my mother, cast me not away. Delay this marriage for a month, a week, or if you do not make the bridal bed in that dim monument where Tybalt lies. Talk not to me, for I'll not speak a word. Do as thou wilt, for I have done with thee. Exit. Oh, God. Oh, nurse, how shall this be prevented? My husband is on earth, my faith in heaven. How shall that faith return again to earth unless that husband send it me from heaven by leaving earth? Comfort me, counsel me, alack, alack that heaven should practice stratagem so, upon so soft a subject as myself. What sayest thou? Hast thou not a word of joy? Some comfort, nurse. Faith, here it is. Romeo is banished, and all the world's nothing, but he dares never come back to challenge you. Or if he do, it needs must be by stealth. Then, since the case so stands as now it doth, I think it best you married with the county. Oh, he's a lovely gentleman. <laughs> Romeo's a dish clout to him, an eagle, madam. Hath not so green, so quick, so fair, and I, as as Paris hath. Beshrew my very heart, I think you are happy in this second match, for it excels your first. Or if it did not, your first is dead. Or twere as good he were, as living here, and you, no use of him. Speakst thou from thy heart? And from my soul, too, or else beshrew them both. Amen. Well, thou hast comforted me marvelous much. Go in and tell my lady I am gone, having displeased my father to Lawrence cell, to make confession and to be absolved. Mary, I will. And this is wisely done. Exit. Ancient damnation, oh, most wicked fiend. Is it more sin to wish me thus forsworn or to dispraise my lord that that same tongue which she hath praised him with above compare so many thousand times. 
go, counselor. Thou and my bosom henceforth shall be twain. I'll to the friar to know his remedy. If all else fail, myself have power to die. Exit. Act 4, Scene 1, Friar Lawrence Cell. Enter Friar Lawrence in Paris. On Thursday, sir, the time is very short. My father Capulet will have it so, and I am nothing slow to slack his haste. You say you do not know the lady's mind? Uneven is the course. I like it not. Moderately, she weeps for Tybalt's death, and therefore have I little talks of love. For Venus smiles not in a house of tears. Now, sir, her father counts it dangerous that she doth give her sorrow so much sway, and in his wisdom hastes our marriage to stop the inundation of her tears, which, too much minded by herself alone, may be put from her by society. Now, do you know now, do you know the reason for this haste? I would, I knew not why it should be slowed. Look, sir, uh, here comes the lady towards my cell. Enter Juliet. Happily met my lady and my wife. That may be, sir, when I may be a wife. Oh, that may be, must be, love, on Thursday next. What must be, shall be. That's a certain text. Come you to make confession to this father? To answer that, I should confess to you. Do not deny to him that you love me. (laughs) I will confess to you that I love him. So will ye, I am sure, that you love me. If I do so, it will be of more price being spoke behind your back than to your face. Poor soul. Thy face is much abused with tears. The tears have got small victory by that, for it was bad enough before their spite. Thou wrongst it more than tears with that report. That is no slander, sir, which is a truth, and what I spake, I spake it to my face. Thy face is mine. And thou hast slandered it. It may be so, for it is not mine own. Are you at leisure, Holy Father, now, or shall I come to you at evening mass? My leisure serves me, pensive daughter, now. My lord, we must entreat the time alone. I'd shield I should disturb devotion. (laughs) Juliet, on Thursday early will I rouse ye. Till then, adieu, and keep this holy kiss. Exit. Oh, shut the door, and when thou hast done so, come weep with me, past hope, past cure, past help. Ah, Juliet, I already know thy grief. It strains me past the compass of my wits. I hear thou must, and nothing may prorogue it, on Thursday next be married to this county. Tell me not, friar, that thou hearst of this, unless thou tell me how I may prevent it. If in thy wisdom thou canst give no help, do but... Do thou but call my resolution wise, and with this knife I'll help it presently. God joined my heart and Romeo's. Thou are hands, and ere this hand, by thee to Romeo's sealed, shall be the label to another's deed, or my true heart with treacherous revolt turn to another, this shall slay them both. Therefore, out of thy long experience time, give me some present counsel, or behold, twixt my extremes and me, this bloody knife shall play the umpire, arbitrating that which the commission of thy years and art could to no issue of true honor bring. Be not so long to speak, I long to die, if what thou speakst speak not of remedy. Hold, daughter. I do spy a kind of hope. 
which craves as desperate an execution as that is desperate which we would prevent. If, rather than to marry, County Paris, thou hast the strength of will to slay thyself, then it is likely thou wilt undertake a thing like death, to chide away this shame, that copes with death himself to escape from it. And if thou darest, I'll give thee remedy. Oh, bid me leap rather than marry Paris from off the battlements of any tower, or walk in thievish ways, or bid me lurk where serpents are, chain me with roaring bears, or hide me nightly in a charnel house, or card quite with dead men's rattling bones, with reeky shanks and yellow chapless skulls, or bid me go into a new-made grave and hide me with a dead man in his shroud. Things that to hear them told have made me tremble, and I will do it without fear or doubt to live an unstained wife to my sweet love. Hold then, go home, be merry, give consent to marry Paris. Wednesday is tomorrow. Tomorrow night, look that thou lie alone. Let not thy nurse lie with thee in thy chamber. Take thou this vial, being then in bed, and this distilled liquor drink thou off. When presently through all thy veins shall run a cold and drowsy humor, for no pulse shall keep his native progress but surcease. No warmth, no breath shall testify thou livest. The roses in thy lips and cheeks shall fade to paly ashes. Thy eyes' windows fall like death when he shuts up the life or the day of life. Each part deprived of supple government shall stiff and stark and cold appear like death. And in this borrowed likeness of shrunk death shalt thou continue two and forty hours, and then awake as from a pleasant sleep. Now, when the bridegroom in the morning comes to rouse thee from thy bed, there art thou dead. Then, as the manner of our country is, in thy best robes uncovered on the bier, thou shalt be born to that same ancient vault where all the kindred of the Capulets lie. In the meantime, Against thou shalt awake shall Romeo by my letters know our drift, and hither shall he come, and he and I will watch thy waking, and that very night shall Romeo bear thee hence to Mantua. And this shall free thee from this present shame, if no inconstant toy nor womanish fear abate thy valor in the acting it. Give me, give me, or tell me not of fear. Hold, get you gone, be strong and prosperous, in this resolve. I'll send a friar with speed to Mantua with my letters to thy lord. Love, give me strength, and strength shall help afford. Farewell, dear father. Exeunt. Scene two, Hall and Capulet's house. Enter Capulet, Lady Capulet, nurse, and two serving men. So many guests invite as here are writ. Exit first servant. Sirrah, go hire me twenty cunning cooks. You shall have none ill, sir, for I'll try if they can lift their fingers. How canst thou try them so? Marry, sir, tis an ill cook that cannot lick his own fingers. Therefore, he that cannot lick his fingers go not with me. Go, be gone. Thanks, second servant. We shall be much unfurnished for this time. What, is my daughter gone to Friar Lawrence? Aye, forsooth. Well, he may chance do some good on her. A peevish, self-willed harlotry it is. Uh, see where she comes from shrift with merry look. Enter Juliet. How now, my head strong, where have you been gadding? Where I have learnt me to repent the sin of disobedient opposition to you and your behests. 
and am enjoined by Holy Lawrence to fall prostrate here to beg your pardon. Pardon, I beseech you. Henceforward, I am ever ruled by you. Send for the county. Go tell him of this. I'll have this not knit up tomorrow morning. I met the youthful lord at Lawrence's cell and gave him what become its love I might, not stepping o'er the bounds of modesty. Why, I am glad on it. This is well, stand up. This is as it should be. Let me see thy county. I, Mary, go, I say, and fetch him hither. Now, afore God, this reverend holy friar, our whole city is much bound to him. Nurse, will you go with me into my closet to help me sort such needsful ornaments as you think fit to furnish me tomorrow? No, not till Thursday. There is time enough. Go, nurse. Go with her. We'll to church tomorrow. Exit Juliet and nurse. We shall be short in our provision. Tis now near night. Tush. I will stir about, and all things shall be well. I warrant thee, wife. Go thou to Juliet. Help to deck up her. I'll not to bed tonight. Let me alone. I'll play the housewife for this once. What? Oh, they are all forth. Well, I will walk myself to County Paris to prepare him up against tomorrow. My heart is wondrous light since this same wayward girl is so reclaimed. Exit. Scene three, Juliet's chamber. Enter Juliet and nurse. Aye, those attires are best, but gentle nurse, I pray thee leave me to myself tonight, for I have need of many orisons to move the heavens to smile upon my state, which well thou knowest is cross and full of sin. Enter Lady Capulet. What, are you busy, ho? Need you my help? No, madam. We have called such necessaries as are behooveful for our state tomorrow. So please you, let me now be left alone, and let the nurse this night sit up with you, for I am sure you have your hands full all in this so sudden business. Good night. Get thee to bed and rest, for thou hast need. Exit Lady Capulet and nurse. Farewell. God knows when we shall meet again. I have a faint cold fear thrills through my veins that almost freezes up the heat of life. I'll call them back again to comfort me. Nurse! Oh, what should she do here? My dismal scene I needs must act alone. Come, vile. What if this mixture do not work at all? Shall I be married, then, tomorrow morning? No. No, this shall forbid it. Lie thou there. Laying down the dagger. What if it be a poison, which the friar subtly hath ministered to have me dead? lest in this marriage he should be dishonored, because he married me before to Romeo. I fear it is, and yet methinks it should not, for he hath still been tried a holy man. How if, when I am laid into the tomb, I wake before the time that Romeo come to redeem me? There's a fearful point. Shall I not then be stifled in the vault? to whose foul mouth no healthsome air breathes in, and there die strangled ere my Romeo comes? Or if I live, is it not very like the horrible conceit of death and night, together with the terror of the place, as in a vault, an ancient sepulchre for where this many hundred years the bones of all my buried ancestors are packed, where bloody Tybalt, yet but green in earth, lies festering in his shroud, where, as they say, at some hours in the night, spirits resort, alack, alack, it is not like that, I... 
so early waking, what with loathsome smells and shrieks like mandrakes torn out of the earth, that living mortals hearing them run mad. Oh, if I wake, shall I not be distraught, environed with all these hideous fears, and madly play with my forefathers' joints? and pluck the mangled Tybalt from his shroud, and in this rage, with some great kinsman's bone, as with a club, dash out my desperate brains? Oh, look, methinks I see my cousin's ghost seeking out Romeo that did spit his body upon a rapier's point. Stay, Tybalt, stay! Romeo! 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 Here's drink. I drink to thee. She falls upon her bed within the curtains. Scene four, Hall and Capulet's house. Enter Lady Capulet and Nurse. Hold, take these keys and, and fetch more spices, Nurse. They call for dates and quinces in the pastry. Enter Capulet. Come, sir, sir, sir. The second cock hath crowed. The curfew bell hath rung. Tis three o'clock. Look to the baked meats with Angelica. Spare not for the cost. Go, you cot queen, go. Get you to bed, Faith. You'll be sick tomorrow for this night's watching. No, not a whit. What? I have watched ere now all night for lesser cause and ne'er been sick. Aye, you have been a mouse hunt in your time, but I will watch you from such watching now. Except Lady Capulet and Nurse. A jealous hood, a jealous hood. Enter three or four serving men with spits, logs, and baskets. Now, fellow, what's there? Things for the cook, sir, but I know not what. Make haste, make haste. Exit for servant. Sirrah, fetch dryer logs. Call Peter. He will show thee where where they are. I have a head, sir, that will find out logs and never trouble Peter for the matter. Exit. Mass, and well said. A merry horse on, ha! Thou shalt be loggerhead. Good faith, this day. The county will be here with music straight, for so he said he would. I hear him near. Music within. Nurse, wife, what ho, what nurse, I say. He entered nurse. Go waken Juliet. Go and trim her up. I'll go and chat with Paris. Hi, make haste, make haste. The bridegroom, he is come already. Make haste, I say. Exit. Scene five, Juliet's chamber. Enter nurse. Mistress? What? Mistress? Juliet? Fast, I warrant her she. Why, lamb, my lady, fie you, slug of bed. Oh, my love, I say, madam, sweetheart, why, bride, oh, what, not a word. You take your pennyworths now, sleep for a week. For the next night, I warrant, the county Paris hath set up his rest, but you shall rest but little. God forgive me. Mary and amen. How sound is she asleep? I must needs wake her. Madam, 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 <laughs> I let the county take you in your bed. He'll fright you up if faith. Will it not be? Undraws the curtains. What? Dressed and in your clothes and down again. I must needs wake you, lady. 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 Alas. Alas, help. Help. My my lady's dead. Oh, well, the day that I was born, some aqua vitae. Oh, my lord, my lady. Enter Lady Capulet. Lady Capulet? 
What what noise is here? Oh, lamentable day. What what is the matter? Look, look, oh heavy day. Oh me, oh me, my child, my only life. Revive. Look up or I will die with thee. Help, help, God, help. Enter Capulet. For shame, bring Juliet forth. Her lord is come. She's dead, deceased. She's dead. Alack the day. Alack the day. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead. <laughs> Let me see her. Out, alas. She's cold. Her blood is settled and her joints are stiff. Life and these lips have long been separated. Death lies on her like an untimely frost upon the sweetest flower of all the field. Oh, lamentable day. Oh, awful time. Death that hath taken her hence to make me wail ties up my tongue and will not let me speak. Enter Friar Lawrence in Paris with musicians. Come, is the bride ready to go to church? Ready to go, but never to return. Oh, son, the night before thy wedding day hath death lain within thy wife, with thy wife. There she lies, flower as she as she was, deflowered by him. Death is my son-in-law, death is my heir, my daughter he hath wedded. I will die and leave him all, life, living. All is deaths. Thy thoughts long to see this morning's face, and doth it give me such a sight as this? Accursed, unhappy, wretched, hateful day, most miserable hour that ere time saw in lasting labor of his pilgrimage. But one, poor one, one poor and loving child, but one thing to rejoice and solace in, and cruel death hath catched it from my sight. Oh, woeful, woeful, woeful day. Most lamentable day, most woeful day that ever, ever I did yet behold. Oh, day, oh, day, oh, day, oh, hateful day. Never has seen so black a day as this. Oh, woeful day, oh, woeful day. Beguiled, divorced, wronged, spited, slain, most detestable death by thee beguiled, by cruel, cruel thee quite overthrown. O oh, love, O oh, life, not life, but love in death. Despised, distressed, hated, martyred, killed. Uncomfortable time. Why camest thou now to murder, murder our solemnity? O oh, child, O oh, child, my soul and not my child. Dead art thou, alack. My child is dead. And with my child, my joys are buried. Peace, ho, for shame. Confusion's cure lives not in these confusions. Heaven and yourself had part in this fair maid. Now heaven hath all, and all the better is it for the maid. Your part in her you could not keep from death, but heaven keeps his part in eternal life. The most you sought was her promotion, for t'was your heaven she should be advanced, and weep ye now, seeing she is advanced above the clouds, as high as heaven itself? Oh, in this love you love your child so ill, 
that you run mad seeing that she is well. She's not well married that lives married long, but she's best married that dies married young. Dry up your tears and stick your rosemary on this fair course. And as the custom is, in all her best array, bear her to church. For thou fond nature bids us and lament, yet nature's tears are reason's merriment. All things that we ordained festival turn from their office to black funeral. Our instruments to melancholy bells, our wedding cheer to a sad burial feast. Our solemn hymns to sullen dirges change, our bridal flowers serve for a buried course, and all things change them to the contrary. Sir, go you in, and madam, go with him. And go, Sir Paris, everyone prepare to follow this fair course unto her grave. The heavens do lower upon you for some ill. Move them no more by crossing their high will. Exent Capulet, Lady Capulet, Paris, and Friar Lawrence. Faith, we may put up our pipes and be gone. Honest good fellows are put up. Put up, for well you know this is a pitiful case. Exit. Aye, by my troth, the case may be amended. Enter Peter. Musicians, musicians, all musicians. Hardies, hardies, oh. And you will have me live. Play heart's ease. Why heart's ease? Musicians. As my heart itself plays, my heart is full of woe. Play me some merry dump to comfort me. Not a dump we, tis no time to play now. You will not then. No. Then I will give it to you soundly. What will you give us? Well, no money, not my faith, but the Gleek, I will will give you the minstrel. Then I will give you the serving creature. I will lay the serving creature's dagger on you, on your pate. I will carry no crotchets, I'll read you, I'll buy you, do you note me? And you ray us and fa us, you note us. Pray you, put up your dagger and put out your wit. How then have that you with my wit? I will try beat you with an iron wit and put up my iron dagger. Answer me like men. When gripping grief, the heart doth wound, and doleful dumps for minds oppressed, and music with her silver sound. Why silver sound? Why music with her silver sound? Her silver sound. What say you, Simon Calling? Catling? Mary. Yeah. Mary, sir, because silver hath a sweet sound. Pretty, too. Pretty. Why, why, what say you, Hugh Rebecca? I say silver sound because musicians sound for silver. Um, what say you, dream sound post? Faith, I know not what to say. I cry in mercy. You are the singer. And I will say for you, it is music with her silver sound. Because musicians have no gold for sounding. The music with her silver sound, with speedy health, doth lend redress. Exit. What a pestilent knave is this same. Hang him, Jack. Come, we'll in here. Tarry for the mourners and stay dinner. 
Exempt. Act 5, Scene 1, Mantua, a street. Enter Romeo. I may trust the flattering truth of sleep. My dreams presage some joyful news at hand. My bosom's lord sits lightly in his throne, and all this day an unaccustomed spirit lifts me above the ground with cheerful thoughts. I dreamt my lady came and found me dead. Strange scream, dream that gives a dead man leave to think, and breathed such life with kisses in my lips that I revived and was an emperor. Ah, me, how sweet love is love itself possessed when but love's shadows are so rich in joy. Enter Balthazar. News from Verona. How now, Balthazar? Dost thou bring me letters from the friar? How doth my lady? Is my father well? How fares my Juliet that I ask again, for nothing can be ill, she be well? Then she is well, and nothing can be ill. Her body sleeps in Capel's monument, and her immortal part with angels lives. I saw her laid low in her kindred's vault, and presently took post to tell it to you. Uh, oh, uh, pardon me for bringing these ill news, since you did leave it for my office, sir. Is it even so? Then I defy you, stars. Thou knowest my lodging, get me ink and paper and hire post horses. I will hence tonight. Uh, I do beseech you, sir, have patience. Your looks are pale and wild and do import some misadventure. Tush, thou art deceived. Leave me and do the thing I bid thee do. Hast thou no letters to me from the friar? No, my good lord. No matter, get thee gone. And hire those horses, I'll be with thee straight. Exit Balthazar. Well, Juliet, I will lie with thee tonight. Let's see for means, oh, mischief thou art swift to enter in the thoughts of desperate men. I do remember an apothecary, and hereabouts at Wells, which late I noted in tattered weeds with overwhelming brows, culling of simples. Meager were his looks, sharp misery had worn him to the bones, and hid in his needy shop a tortoise hunt, an alligator stuffed, and other skins of ill-shaped fishes, and about his shelves a beggarly amount of empty boxes, green earthen pots, bladders, and musty seas, remnants of pack thread and old cakes of roses were thinly scattered to make up a show. Nothing this penury to myself, I said, and if a man did need a poison now, whose sale is present death in Mantua, here lives a captive wretch would sell it him. Oh, this same thought did but forerun my need, and this same needy man must sell it me. As I remember, this should be the house. Being holiday, the beggar shop is shut. What ho, apothecary! Enter apothecary. Who calls so loud? Come hither, man. I see that thou art poor. Hold, there is forty ducats. Let me have a dram of poison, such soon-speeding gear as will disperse itself through all the veins, that the life-weary taker may fall dead, and that the trunk may be discharged of breath as violently as hasty powder fire doth hurry from the fatal cannon's wound. Such mortal drugs I have, but Mantua's law is death to any he that utters them. 
art thou so bare and full of wretchedness and fearest to die? Famine in thy cheeks need it, and oppression starveth in thy eyes. Contempt and beggary hangs upon thy back. The world is not thy friend, nor the world's law. The world affords no law to make thee rich. Then be not poor, but break it and take this. My poverty, been up, my poverty, but not my will, consents. I pay thy poverty and not thy will. Put this in any liquid thing you will and drink it off. And if you had the strength of 20 men, it would dispatch you straight. There is thy good. Worse poison to men's souls. Doing more murder in this loathsome world than these poor compounds that thou mayst not sell. I sell thee poison. Thou hast sold me none. Farewell. Buy food and get thyself in flesh. Come cordial and not poison. Go with me to Juliet's grave, for there I must use thee. Exit. Scene two, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar John. Holy Franciscan Friar. Brother. Ho. Enter Friar Lawrence. This same should be the voice of Friar John. Welcome from Mantua. What says Romeo? Or if his mind be writ, give me his letter. Going to find a barefoot brother out, one of our order to associate me, here in this city, visiting the sick and finding him, the searchers of the town, suspecting that we both were in a house where the infectious pestilence did reign, sealed up the doors and would not let us forth, so that my speed to Mantua there was stayed. Who bear my letter then to Romeo? I could not send it. Here it is again, nor get a messenger to bring it thee, so fearful were they of infection. Unhappy fortune. By my brotherhood, the letter was not nice, but full of charge of dear import, and the neglecting it may do much danger. Prior John, go hence. Get me an iron crow and bring it straight unto my cell. Brother, I'll go and bring it thee. Exit. Now must I to the monument alone. Within three hours will fair Juliet wake. She will beshrew me much that Romeo hath no notice of these accidents. But I will write again to Mantua and keep her at my cell till Romeo come. Poor living corse closed in a dead man's tomb. Exit. Scene three, a churchyard. In it, a tomb belonging to the Capulets. Enter Paris and his page bearing flowers and a torch. Give me thy torch, boy. Hence, and stand aloof. Yet put it out, for I would not be seen. Under yond yew trees lay thee all along, holding thine ear close to the hollow ground, so shall no foot upon the churchyard tread, being loose, unfirm, with digging up of graves, but thou shalt hear it. Whistle then to me. As a signal that thou hear something approach, give me those flowers. Do as I bid thee. Go. I'm almost afraid to stand alone here in the churchyard. Yet I will adventure. <laughs> Retires. Sweet flower, with flowers thy bridal bed I strew. Oh, woe, thy canopy is dust and stones, which with sweet water nightly I will dew. Or wanting that with tears distilled by moans, 
The obsequies that I for thee will keep nightly shall be to strew thy grave and weep. Yeah, okay. The boy gives warning. Something doth approach. What cursed foot wanders this way tonight to cross my obsequies in true love's right? What with the torch? Muffle me night a while. Retires. Enter Romeo and Balthazar with a torch. Give me that mattock and the wrenching iron. Oh, take this letter. Early in the morning, see thou deliver it to my lord and father. Give me the light. Upon thy life, I charge thee. Whate'er thou hearest or seest, stand all aloof, and do not interrupt me in my course. Why I descend into this bed of death is partly to behold my lady's faith, but chiefly to take thence from her, her from take thence from her dead finger a precious ring, a ring that I must use in dear employment. Therefore hence be gone, but if thou jealous dost return to pry in what I farther shall intend to do, by heaven I will tear thee joint by joint and strew this hungry churchyard with thy limbs. The time and my intents are savage wild, for more fierce and more inexorable far than empty tigers or the roaring sea. I will be gone, sir, and not trouble you. So shalt thou show me friendship. Take thou that. Live and be prosperous. And farewell, good fellow. For all this same, all hide me hereabout. His looks I fear, and his intents I doubt. Retires. Thou detestable, thou detestable maw, thou womb of death, gorged with the dearest morsel of the earth. Thus I enforce thy rotten jaws open, and in despite I'll cram thee with more food. Opens the tomb. This is that banished haughty Montague that murdered my love's cousin with which grief, it is supposed, the fair creature died. And here is come to do some villainous shame to the dead bodies. I will apprehend him. Come forward. Stop, unhallowed toil, vile Montague. Can vengeance be pursued further than death? Condemned villain, I do apprehend thee. Obey and go with me, for thou must die. I must indeed, and therefore came I hither. Good, gentle youth, tempt not a desperate man. Fly hence and leave me. Think upon these gone. Let them affright thee. I beseech thee, youth, put not another sin upon my head. By urging me to fury, oh, be gone. By heaven, I love thee better than myself, for I come hither armed against myself. Say not, be gone. Live and hereafter say a madman's mercy bid thee run away. I do defy thy conjurations and apprehend thee for a felon here. Wilt thou provoke me? Then have at it, boy. They fight. <laughs> oh, Lord, they fight. I will go call the watch. <laughs> Exit. Oh, I am slain. Oh. If thou be merciful, open the tomb. Lay me with Juliet. Let me peruse this face, Mercutio's kinsman, noble county Paris. What said my man when my bestowed soul did not attend him as we rode? I think he told me Paris should have married Juliet. Said he not soul, or did I dream it so? 
or am I mad hearing him talk of Julian to think it was so? Oh, give me thy hand. One writ with me in sour misfortune's book. I'll bury thee in a triumphant grave. A grave. Oh no, a lantern slaughtered youth, for here lies Juliet, and her beauty makes this fault a feasting present full of light. Death lie thou there by a dead man interred. Laying Paris in the tomb. How oft, when men are at the point of death, have they been married, which their keepers call a lightning before death. Oh, how may I call this a lightning? Oh, my love, my wife, death that hath sucked the honey of thy breath, hath had no power yet upon thy beauty. Thou art not conquered. Beauty's ensign yet is crimson in thy lips and in thy cheeks, and death pales, death's pale flag is not advanced there. Tybalt, liest thou there in thy bloody sheep? Oh, what more favor can I do to thee than with the hand that cut, that cut thy youth in twain to sunder his that was thine enemy? Forgive me, cousin. Oh, dear Juliet, why art thou yet so fair? Shall I believe that unsubstantial death is more amorous and that the lean abhorred monster keeps thee here in dark to be his paramour. For fear of that, I still will stay with thee and never from this pallet of dim night depart again. Here, here will I remain with worms that are thy chambermaids. Oh, here will I set up my everlasting rest and shake the yoke, yoke of inauspicious stars from this world-wearied flesh. Eyes, look your last. Arms, take your last embrace. And lips, oh, you the doors of breath, sealed with a righteous kiss, the dateless bargain to engrossing death. Come, bitter conduct, come, unsavory guide. Thou desperate pilot, now at once run on the dashing rocks, thy seasick, weary bark. Here's to my love. Oh, true apothecary, thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. Dies. Enter at the other end of the churchyard, Friar Lawrence, with a lantern, crow, and spade. St. Francis be my speed. How oft tonight have my old feet stumbled at graves. Who's here? Here's one. A friend, and one that knows you well. Oh, bliss be upon you. Tell me, good my friend, what torch is yon that vainly lends his light to grubs and eyeless skulls, as I discern it burneth in the chapel's monument? It doth so, holy sir, and there's my master, one that you love. Who is it? Romeo. How long hath he been there? Full half an hour. Go with me to the vault. I dare not, sir. My master knows not, but I am gone hence, and fearfully did menace me with death if I did stay to look on his intents. Stay then, I'll go alone. Fear comes upon me. Oh, much I fear some ill, unlucky thing. 
as I did sleep under this yew tree here, I dreamt my master and another fought and that my master slew him. Romeo. Dances. Alack, alack, what blood is this which stains the stony inference of this sepulcher? What means these masterless and gory swords to lie discolored by this place of peace? Enters the tomb. Romeo? Pale. Who else? What? Paris, too? And steeped in blood? Ah, what an unkind hour is guilty of this lamentable chance. The lady stirs. Juliet wakes. Oh, comfortable friar, where is my lord? I do remember well where I should be, and there I am. Where is my Romeo? Noise within. I hear some noise. Lady, come from that nest of death, contagion, and unnatural sleep. A greater power than we can contradict hath thwarted our intents. Come, come away. Thy husband and thy bosom there lies dead, and Paris, too. Come, I'll dispose of thee among a sisterhood of holy nuns. Stay not to question, for the watch is coming. Come, go, good Juliet. Noise again. I dare no longer stay. Go. Get thee hence, for I will not away. Exit Friar Lawrence. What's here? A cup closed in my true love's hand? Poison, I see, hath been his timeless end. Churl, drunk all, and left no friendly drop to help me after? I will kiss thy lips. Haply some poison yet doth hang on them to make me die with a restorative. Thy lips are warm. Lead, boy, which way? Yea, noise? Then I'll be brief. Oh, happy dagger, this is thy sheath. Stabs herself. There, rust, and let me die. Falls on Romeo's body and dies. Enter watch with the pages of Paris. This is the place. There, where the torch doth burn. The ground is bloody. Search about the kirkyard. Go, some of you, whoever you find attached. Pitiful sight. Here lies the county slain, and Juliet bleeding, warm and newly dead. Who here hath lain these two days buried? Go, tell the prince, run to the Capulets, raise up the Montagues. Some others search. We see the ground whereon these woes do lie. But the true ground of all these piteous woes, we cannot without circumstance decry. We enter some of the watch with Balthazar. Here's Romeo's man. We found him in the churchyard. Hold him in safety till the prince come hither. We enter others of the watch with Friar Lawrence. Here is a friar that trembles, sighs, and weeps. We took this mattock and this spade from him as he was coming from the churchyard side. A great suspicion. Stay the friar, too. Enter prince in attendance. What misadventure is so early up that calls our person from our morning rest? Enter Capulet, Lady Capulet, and other. What should it be that they so shriek abroad? The people in the streets cry Romeo, some Juliet and some Paris, and all run with open outcry toward our monument. What fear is this which startles in your ears? Sovereign, here lies the county Paris slain, and Romeo dead, and Juliet dead before, warm and new killed. 
search, seek, and know how this foul murder comes. Here is a friar and slaughtered Romeo's man with instruments upon them fit to open these dead men's tombs. Wife, look how our daughter bleeds. This dagger hath mistaken for lo, his house is empty on the back of Montague and is missheathed in my daughter's bosom. Oh me, this sight of death is as a bell that warns my old age to a sepulcher. Enter Montague and others. Come Montague, for thou art early up to see thy son and heir now in early down. Alas, my liege, my wife is dead tonight. Grief of my son's exile hath stopped her breath. What further woe conspires against mine age? Look and thou shalt see. Oh, thou untaught. What manners is in this, to press before thy father to a grave? Seal up the mouth of outrage for a while, till we can clear these ambiguities. And know their spring, their head, their true descent. And then will I be general of your woes, and lead you even to death. Meantime, forbear, and let mischance be slave to patience. Bring forth the parties of suspicion. I am the greatest, able to do least, yet most suspected, as the time and place doth make against me of this direful murder. And here I stand, both to impeach and purge myself condemned and myself excused. Then say at once what thou dost know is this. I will be brief, for my short date of breath is not so long as is a tedious tale. Romeo, their dead, was husband to that Juliet, and she, their dead, that Romeo's faithful wife. I married them, and their stolen marriage day was Tybalt's doomsday, whose untimely death banished the new-made bridegroom from the city, for whom, and not for Tybalt, Juliet pined. You, to remove that siege of grief from her betrothed, and would have married her perforce to County Paris. Then comes she to me, and with wild looks bid me devise some mean to rid her from this second marriage, or in my cell there would she kill herself. Then gave I her, so tutored by my art, a sleeping potion which so took effect as I intended, for it wrought on her the form of death. Meantime, I writ to Romeo that he should hither come as this dire night to help to take her from her borrowed grave, being the time the potion's force should cease. But he which bore my letter, Friar John, was stayed by accident, and yesternight returned my letter back. Then all alone at the prefixed hour of her waking came I to take her from her kindred's vault meaning to keep her closely at my cell till I conveniently could send it to Romeo. But when I came, some minute ere the time of her awaking, here untimely lay the noble Paris and true Romeo dead. She wakes, and I entreated her come forth and bear this work of heaven with patience. But then a noise did scare me from the tomb, and she, too desperate, would not go with me. But as it seems did violence on herself. All this I know, and to the marriage her nurse is privy, and if aught in this miscarried by my fault, let my old life be sacrificed some hour before his time unto the rigor of severest law. We still have known thee for a holy man. 
Where's Romeo's man? What can he say to this? I brought my master news of Juliet's death, and then in post he came from Mantua to this same place, to this same monument. This letter he early bid me give his father and threatened me with death going in the vault. I departed not and left him there. Give me the letter. I will look on it. Where is the county's page that raised the watch? Sirrah, what made your master in this place? He came with flowers to strew his lady's grave and bid me stand aloof, and so I did. Anon comes one with light to open the tomb, and by and by my master drew on him, and then I ran away to call the watch. This letter doth make good the friar's words, their course of love, the tidings of her death. And here he writes that he did buy a poison of a poor apothecary, and therewithal came to this vault to die and lie with Juliet. Where be these enemies? Capulet, Montague. See what a scourge is laid upon your hate that heaven finds means to kill your joys with love. And I, for winking at your discourse too, have lost a brace of kinsmen. All are punished. Oh, brother Montague, give me thy hand. This is my daughter's jointer, for no more can I demand. But I can give thee more, for I will raise her statue in pure gold, that while Verona by that name is known, there shall no figure at such rate be set as that of true and faithful Juliet. As rich shall Romeo's by his lady's lie, poor sacrifices of our amity. A glooming peace this morning brings it with it. The sun, for sorrow, will not show his head. Go hence to have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned and some punished. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo.